everybody. Hello. And welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. And we exist. Why, Jordan? To prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. And it's, I think, when this comes out, we're actually getting closer to Thanksgiving season. But it's still scary out there. Yeah. And we're still screaming. Yeah. And with us today, we're talking Scream 4. And we have Mike and Tom from the podcast You're Missing Out. And they're going to join us, and we're going to talk some serious Scream right now. Welcome, guys. Hello. Uh, hi, guys. Thank you for having us. Hello. Thank you, you for having us. If uh, only it was the perfect time to talk about horror movies, right? It's not, it's not like it's October, and you know the world is a fucking shit show the last 18 months. But uh, right? yeah, let's talk about some jerk-off in a ghost mask slashing some teens. <laughs> yeah let's let's do and and as uh, i mean not to not to go too far behind the curtain but uh we we're all wishing that sc- the scream 5 trailer had dropped today instead of tomorrow so oh that we could God. tell you audience what we thought about that you guys but, if you want what if we just spitball what we think is in the trailer and you just keep in the parts that turn out to be true it's like that dana carvey sketch from snl about gerald ford dying <laughs> we'll just name like 50 things you cut it in no one's going to know the difference, you know? I'm betting there's going to be a phone call, a mm-hmm. knife. A ghost face. Um, some pretty intense shots of our main cast. Like, whoa, they're in this? For the people who didn't look at IMDb or Letterboxd beforehand. Or see the other four movies to know that <laughs> yeah, Nev yeah. Campbell, uh, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox are in it. Yeah. I'll tell um, you the part that blew me away in that trailer, that Laurie Metcalf <laughs> is back, but as her character from Lady Bird. Bold choice, and I respect it. Yes, bold that choice. Yes. Cool. Very bold, very bold choice. It's it's interesting that they're going to start the movie off with Lady Bird coming back from her uh, her <laughs> college stay at NYU, and because they need to get us into the bloodshed, they're offering up a victim we don't care about because Lady Bird, she's an asshole. I saw the movie; <laughs> she deserves to die. But it's a good way to set up that um, Ghostface is here and he's back what, again. What if it was? What if the opening scene of Screen Five? Is is Saoirse Ronan and Beanie Feldstein watching Sam 15? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would love that. Are you kidding Saoirse me? Saoirse Ronan and Beanie Feldstein <laughs> talking just, about uh, American Crime Story impeachment. But it's yes, just Beanie. yeah. <laughs> now you know there's I, also going to hundred percent. There's I'm just there's a hundred percent going to be a joke that kids today don't actually answer phone calls. Oh, for sure. Oh, that oh, is for sure. For sure. Which is which is such a thing in this movie. So we'll get back to this film. I apologize for us taking you off track already. I'm so sorry. No, no, <laughs> no. We're headed there. Yeah, maybe maybe they uh, will have like Ghostface will be a texter in this movie. Maybe that'll be his thing. I mean, he kind of was in this one. Well, it's I mean, it's interesting because yeah. they they do kind of do that in the uh, Scream TV show. Not a lot. Okay. They still do a lot of phone calls, but they do get into the texting and the. All of that. It's been a minute since I watched that show. Pretty good. The first two seasons, at least. Season three can get fucked. Yeah, see, I never experienced the show. Just a movie one. Season one's fine. Season two's actually really good. And then season three, for some reason, they just rebooted the show. And it's a whole new story. And they just left hanging the dangling cliffhangers from season two. So uh, (laughs) thanks, MTV. You failed me with music, and now you failed me with Scream. (laughs) <laughs> well so i would i'd like to hear 
um, your your thoughts on Scream as a franchise and Scream 4 to kind of set the table for this episode, each of you individually? Well, I can tell you from my end, Scream is actually a, a significant uh, part of, of our friendship. Uh, yeah, that's Truly, right. it is. We were... Uh, we met each other in film school in college uh, about a century ago. And uh, when we did, <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, and we didn't really know each other that well. Uh, we basically uh, became friendly because uh, we were, you know, we would talk in class and then we needed to borrow equipment from each other. And one day we happened to be uh, looking for something, props for a film or something like that. And we're in a local mall and a spirit Halloween opened up. We walk past the scream mask, uh, the ghost face mask, and I just casually remark, I've never actually seen those films. He immediately says, We're done. We're going back to my house. We're watching Scream oh, right cool. now. And yeah. well, because well, Mike was, wasn't uh, a horror guy at all back then. Only, I mean, only not, like not stuff even... pre 1950s. Like that was my vibe. Oh, okay. Mike, Mike, you know, okay. Mike, Mike was that guy in film school. He was, he was the, uh, you know, I'm better than everyone guy. <laughs> and um, I was the guy who was who was when it was asked in class, oh, who's your favorite director? And I, Eric Romer, Ingrid Bergman, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, John Carpenter, what of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I take him up? Ingrid Bergman? Shut who's up. your favorite it's director? Late. Ingrid Bergman. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Spoken I don't know. Like we, a true we, carpenter we knew, head. We knew, we knew some people in film school that would have said Ingrid Bergman while they were looking at a poster of like the seventh seal yep. that would just yeah, like yeah. Bergman and they'd be uh, uh I I Ingrid Ingrid Bergman yes I like Ingrid Bergman <laughs> um yeah so that was me kind of getting him into uh horror more than he was at the time he's still not the the gore head that I am I mean yeah. I'm the guy with the Jason and the Michael Myers tattoo you know nice. um but yeah I, um I remember I remember I didn't see the movies until maybe middle school or high school. Definitely middle school. Uh, but I remember the marketing for the first two movies mm -hmm. when I was a kid. That they that you know it came out in '96 and then two came out in '97, where it just felt like for a year straight you couldn't get away from that ghost face imagery and TV yeah. spots yeah. saying like Scream One coming to to TV uh, to video or Scream Two's coming to theaters and you know in in December. And just nonstop all the posters and the banners and everything. And, um, you know, I wasn't that into horror as a kid, but then middle school, I kind of overcame it. And, you know, Scream was one of the early ones where uh, I really got into the horror. Um, even though they like they're not like the greatest entryway horror movies because they're meaner than you think they are. Yeah. And they're a lot more uh there's a lot more references and pop culture stuff going on that you might not get as a 12 year old that hasn't seen a lot of horror movies or just movies in general, right. especially mm -hmm. by the time you get to three where they've crawled so far up their own ass with the meta stuff. Oh yeah. Like, okay. It, why is there these, this really fat guy in a trench coat and his skinnier counterpart with his long <laughs> hair? Is this a reference to something? I don't know. And then you realize later, oh, that's one of the worst directors that's ever lived, cameoing in Scream Jesus. Three. <laughs> and then, and then West returns the favor in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, what? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, as at least that cameo is good. And Carrie Fisher's in that both of them too, right? She's in Scream Three and so, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Am I right? Yeah, Jay uh, tries to eat her out. 
All oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it's a Kevin Smith movie. She's a nun, so Kevin Smith. No, no, know, Tom, 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 don't don't give it all away now. We host a podcast about the National Film Registry, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is, is getting in any day now. <laughs> so let's not waste the magic. That's true. That's true. That it's a this double feature be, of that and this, yoga hosers. Yeah. This is gonna be so much looser because we're so used to sitting in reverence and going, and then the other thing about John Ford is his use of <laughs> right, the, right. Uh, and now we're talking about Scream for a a uh, divisive film. Let's put it that way. I think uh, is that fair to say. <laughs> so yeah, we were in college when Scream Four came yeah. out, so it was kind of a big release for us because I had got him so into the Scream movies, not Scream Three, because mm-hmm. literally nobody's into Scream Three. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we were excited for it because we both, you know, he got more into the the horror stuff and Wes Craven. Um, I was just a Wes Craven fan to begin with and all that. And I was excited for his, another scream, just slasher movies in general. I was happy. We're kind of getting a uh, resurgence at the point. Cause this and, was also uh, during that big boom of the, the reboots, right? This was like, yeah, around that. Rob Zombies Halloween was 2007 and 2009. Friday the 13th was 20, 2009. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was 2010 as well. Yeah. Uh, then there was all the other stuff like prom night and uh, slumber party, yeah. not, not slumber party massacre, but uh, sorority row. All the all those slasher movies were, I mean, it was the tail end really because it started with Chainsaw Massacre in two thousand four, yeah. And I think that one, two, three punch of everyone just hating Halloween, Halloween two, Nightmare on Elm Street, and even Friday the Thirteenth, where it just felt like okay, I think the slasher remake boom is over, and Scream Four kind of came right at like it ended and it felt like it missed its mark but also at the same time feels like it's 10 years too early yeah sure yeah you know it's very ahead of its time in many ways i remember you and i when we saw it we left the theater for scream 4 and you and i were like vocally defending that movie which is why when you guys told us you were doing scream you asked what we want to do i i we went with four because we we were both like adamant like no people are wrong they're missing. They're missing the point. This is actually really good. And obviously, we both rewatched it for this podcast. And I could tell you, one of us maintains that opinion. Okay. Ooh. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, one of us. Okay. One of us has has perhaps had a moment of. Oh yeah, no, yeah. So okay, okay. Let let me cut in here because th- this is okay. I. Well, now I lost my train of thought here. It was there and it's well, gone. I'll just say <laughs> <laughs> hit your thought. Uh as I've said in the last well, okay, I can't remember the first time I've seen this. In the last several episodes, listeners, you've heard that I watched the first three like back to back to back. Um when I was a teenager, but it was before the fourth one came out. But I like don't remember the fourth one coming out. I just remember like seeing it. So I feel like I even like saw the first three almost like before the fourth one came out and I just must have seen it once it like released on DVD. That's how I feel like how it happened. Yeah. And then we watched it. You watched it for the first time last year. Yeah. Cause we watched all see, I I've been late to horror in my life. Much, much like you, Mike, I, I no. just have, I've always kind of actually also kind of pinned my nose up at it and said like, no, it's only good if it's, you know, get out or if it's, you know, these like elevated horror. I have since retired that opinion Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, I still love Get Out, but I, I love these movies. Um, and so this year, I really embrace horror. We've been watching. I've been filling in a lot of the the gaps, and 
when we watched Scream last year, every movie that we watched I thought was a little bit worse than the previous movie, including four. I, I put four right at Ow. the bottom. I was like, I was like, no. Right. I get out of your own house. <laughs> no, but, but wait, but wait, there, it, it gets better. I promise you. So I was like, this, you know, that you know, they, 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 it's like a stair step. It goes down. Then rewatching it for the podcast, four, I love, I love four, and four, three four is, rules. three is so bad. I don't know yeah, how I un- could stand it the first time. It's unwatchable. It's really it, yeah. unwatchable. I it's mean, really when we bad. watched it a year ago, I mean, to me, so a year ago when we watched it, it was like, okay, diminishing returns on all of them. But once you get past the first one and then watching it this time, I'm like, man, the third one is awful. I, how did yeah. I th- not think that it was, or I don't know, how is the fourth, I don't know, how did I think it was worse or better than the fourth one? Because the fourth one is good. Yeah. I think it's generally, and I, and I feel like this is a thing with a lot of Scream discourse, it's a lot of, uh, oh, well, I was young when I saw Scream 1 and 2, and even Scream 3 kind of gets lumped into that, where Scream 4, a lot of people were older. I mean, it was mm-hmm. 11, what, 10, 11 years later. And, you know, horror had changed. People change over that amount of time, you know. And so people just, like, kind of just held their nose and go, nah, it's not like the original three. But if you just watch, like, even even if you can't give Scream 4 the benefit of the doubt, it's still just, like, it, Scream 3 is like watching bad fan fiction. Aaron Kruger yeah. is a cinematic war criminal. Well, Scream 3... <laughs> Scream 3 is just Radioland Murders, the George Lucas movie from the 90s. It's just <laughs> on-set hijinks, old-timey Hollywood, murders yeah, that don't a, have any impact. It's a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's literally they lost the thread of the, the, de- the delicate balancing act that those first two movies had, which is, yeah. yes, there's a murder mystery, and yeah, they're kind of funny, but also they got to be scary and the kills have to be mean mm-hmm. and they have to hurt where none of the kills in Scream 3 are good, like to the point where they even have like a Rubik's Cube fucking house exploding because of a gas leak and there's a fax machine involved right. somehow. And you're like, this is not Scream. This isn't yeah. scary. This is I want to know what you guys, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this because the thought just occurred to me. Do you, because you you said you, 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 I mean, obviously, Mikey, you said you came to it late, right? Yes. But one thing I was thinking about with Scream 3 and why people might have a good memory of it is around the time of Screen 3, you're also getting uh, better movies, but, you know, um, uh, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Jason X, other horror films that we all kind of like because they take it into a very camp realm. And I wonder if there are some people who Scream 3 goes very campy, but unlike bride of chucky or i would argue jason x which have a control over their tone and are still yeah. delivering a thrill for their audience even when they're being tongue-in-cheek scream 3 doesn't have that but i wonder uh, what you guys think of do you think it may be part of its reputation positively for some people is that it was lumped in with those other films that yeah so i am not familiar with friday the 13th or chucky those okay. are blind spots for me. That being said, <laughs> and looking at the Scream franchise, I just feel like the third one has nothing to say. And it's just obvious that Kevin Williamson had no involvement. Yeah, And it yeah. also felt like a movie where Nev Campbell had very limited time to shoot. Yep. And then also it shot a lot of it on a Hollywood lot. And it's like, okay, so they had a hard time getting money to make this movie. So they just had to kind of like write in like, 
that it, a lot of it takes place on fake sets or in costume places and production stuff. It just felt like they were trying the best that they could and it wasn't written well, in my opinion. Well, it's it's one of those, like, in which we talked about in our previous episode, yet to be released, but it, it is one of those movies where, you know, occasionally you'll hear of a movie like The Shining, famous example. It's like Stanley Kubrick is showing up every day with, like, different scenes, and no one even knows what the movie's going to be like. And Scream 3 is a movie that they were showing up every day, rewriting all the time, and Shining, it doesn't look that way. It feels like it's very controlled, and this one... When you hear that story, you're like, yeah, that's usually the outcome when you're rewriting everything the day of. Yeah. And it's it's really because like it's it, like The Shining's a movie you could make up as you go because it's it's yeah. not a mystery. Like it's yeah, it's, it's, a, <laughs> right. it's a tone piece like this is yeah. you've got to know who's where at every moment. You got to know the whys of everything. And then, I mean, the ultimate re- I, not the ultimate. There's so many fucking problems with screen three, but it's like. It's so clearly they were writing it to have two killers again, but then they decided not to, and they just stuck with one killer. And you just go, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not what the point of the screen movies are. It's the point of, of course, a slasher couldn't do all these things. There has to be a second person. And yeah, and 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 obviously, Aaron Kruger is not Kevin Williamson, not just as a writer. I mean, like Kevin Williamson's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but he he's a better, more he's more attuned to this franchise. And he clearly knows more about like the rules of horror because the discussions about uh, sequels and Scream 2 are a lot more clear and concise and yeah. developed into the script, which was a mess itself, but still like was developed into that script than Scream 3, which just has Jamie Kennedy show up on a videotape and say some things that really don't actually have anything to do with like what we yeah. think of as trilogies or anything. It's just, yeah. right. I mean, which is another... I listen to the commentaries of all these because I've seen these so many times I've yeah. memorized them in screw and the commentaries for two and three Wes Craven just casually just throws Jamie Kennedy under the bus. Like, yeah, you know, Jamie just, he, he just couldn't remember his lines. He was really hard to work with. Oh, really? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, we had like two hours of footage from him recording this VCR footage because he just couldn't remember his lines. So he was just rambling. Whoa. And uh, our That's editor funny. had to just spend a lot of time making this make sense. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the tone the tone of the commentary on Scream 3 is much different than the tone for the other three Scream commentaries. Oh man. All one, two, and four are like, yeah, we had fun, and here's this scene and this, and you know, it was a blast. And then Scream 3 is just, well, here's where this mistake is. Here's this yeah. mistake. Here's where this went wrong. If you notice, uh David's wearing the wrong shirt because he was filming this scene later in the movie, but nobody noticed it because, <laughs> well, we just kept reshooting the goddamn thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, and I'll say this because, uh, and I'll just say this one thing, summarizing, like when you watch Scream 1, Scream 1 is great because you look at this and you're like, Kevin Williamson wrote an airtight script. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you get to three where it's Aaron Kruger and you're you know, obviously this is a mess. My thing when you watch four, which very famously, like Kevin Williamson wrote the script, but then Eric Kruger came on and did rewrites. The one thing yeah. I say when you watch Scream 4, I spend the whole time going, man, I bet Kevin Williamson's original script was airtight because every single thing you hear of like, this was in the original script, you go, yeah, all of this makes more sense if that's there. There's every single part that got removed. You're like, but if this was there, 
this flow is better. If this was there, like all of this works more. I had the opportunity to interview Williamson very briefly. Um, he was promoting a, a CBS All Access show called Tell Me a Story. It was a TV show he did for CBS All Access. I think it ran like two seasons. This was before it had come out. And the one thing I'll say about him, and not everything that Kevin Williamson did worked out, but you talk to him and you get the feel, very nice guy, but you get the feeling like he does not start writing the first scene until he knows what the, you know, essentially the last scene of the sequel is in a way. Oh, like he I see. Yeah. plans yeah. and you talk to him about this, you know, you do these press junkets and sometimes people are yeah. just kind of, you know, but you could tell that this guy knew every character, like the back of his hand, knew where they were all going to end up. And most importantly, he knew why they were all going to end up there. And the one thing wow. Scream 4 has over the other sequels is that if nothing else, when you get to the end of that, you go, yeah, these motives square with the characters as they've been presented to us the whole film, as opposed to two and three, yeah. which were so on the fly <laughs> that you sit down and go, Fuck you! You're gonna tell me that Billy Loomis's mom got a plastic? <laughs> what are we doing? Like that yeah, type I mean, of thing. You yeah, know? I mean, that's 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 the one thing that always kind of with discussions about Scream Four. Like, I I just wish people could at least give it the credit of like it has the same clarity of vision as the first one. Whether or yeah. not uh -huh. the script is as airtight as the first one, which it isn't. I love Scream Four, and it's very clearly you could watch that movie with like a a checkbook box and just go. Williamson scene, Williamson scene, Williamson. Aaron Kruger line, Aaron Kruger line. This is an Aaron Kruger moment, but it's like it starts and ends and it's built to me make its way towards that end where scream two and three were just ah oh, shit. I don't know. Fuck. Who's the killer? Who's the killer? Let's, I, I don't know. Billy Loomis's mom. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, the weird guy from the film school scene at the beginning. Yeah, sure. He's a, just a weird thrill killer. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. Sydney's a uh, yeah. long lost half brother. He's the author of all her pain. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just like this one at least builds to that ending and everything, whether it works or not, is aimed right to getting to that point, which is the benefit of Williamson writing the script. Even if Kruger rewrote it, he didn't completely mangle it to the point where they were like, well, we don't know who the who the killer is at the end. Like, yeah, right. You know, because yeah. like Scream 2 was supposed to be. uh um, uh, it was going to be her boyfriend was the killer, Jerry O'Connell, and her roommate. That, and they completely changed that. That it was going to uh -huh. be uh, the, the the roommate and the the truck uh, the 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 camera guy. Scream three. It was going to be the actress playing Sydney was also working with Roman. Oh, you know, it's like they had a yeah. hundred different things where nothing. It all just feels so haphazard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in the second one with the reveal of who the killers are it it does very much feel just kind of like okay fine like let's just let's go with it and then but the third one is so just bad and out of left field in a way that doesn't work that i no. it, like i often forget how janky the second one is yeah. because the third one it's just do. like <laughs> yeah and it, and it's just the third one it's like no i'm sorry this this just doesn't work well, I, it's, yeah. I always find it funny in Scream 3, the reveal, where it's like, oh, it's Scott Foley, and it's like a big dramatic moment. But Sydney's just like, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it's literally just like, 
the opposite of the tagline for poster for Scream 5. It's always someone, you know, ah, yeah. who knew Roman? No one knew this right. guy. <laughs> right. Well, and, and to go to circle way back, when you were talking about uh, Bride of Chucky, Jason mm-hmm. X and stuff, I just wanted to say that since I've come to this franchise so late, all I have seen about Scream 3 is basically, I, I think that its, it's uh, legacy is now that it is the bad one. From what I yeah. can tell on on stuff, yeah. I mean, I know that Scream Four is mixed, but it seems like there's more and more people who are like, "No, it's actually good. It's baseline good." It seems like people are starting to come around to that idea. It's it's definitely yeah, it's definitely come around. It's helped. It's been helped in part by like uh, the editor of Fangoria, Phil Nobile Jr., has kind of become a champion for the movie. You know, and other people have come around on it, and it really is that thing of. There's issues with the movie. There's no doubt about that. But it's like I said before, it's a movie that's aged incredibly well that, you know, Williamson and Craven were really on the ball with where this next generation of teens were going, where it was, we're not living our own lives. We're living the lives of others. And we're going to manufacture a story to be famous instead of earning like Mm -hmm. our fame or our infamy. And you know, it, it, this is what, like, this is like, what, five, six, seven years before TikTok comes out. YouTube mm-hmm. influencers were kind of not even really a thing at this point. Oh, no, like it was, absolutely not. You know, it, it's a bit prophetic. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's yeah. weirdly prophetic. This might be the <laughs> most prophetic of all of them. Maybe not as much as one because one kind of gets into like the Columbine incel thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right. This is weirdly, again, weirdly prophetic, whereas two and three really don't get to that level of insight at all but the things that are prophetic about it, this is the thing about scream 4 because tom and i were talking before you know obviously before we recorded the podcast and i was saying the weird thing about scream 4 is is it's ahead of its time both in a good way and a bad way because it does predict kind of the broad outline of the the dilemma that faces younger millennials and gen z about viral fame and all that but at the same time it came about before, like Tom says, before TikTok, before YouTube influencers, before any of the influencer culture. And so as a result, when you're watching it, you do sit down and go, oh, look how many things they kind of like, they anticipated, but it does kind of feel like the same way to me, like when you read like an 18th century sci-fi story and you sit down and go, yeah, they actually, wow, that's wild. They predicted Skype calls, but also they predicted those Skype calls would be facilitated by series of tubes that clog up the sky. (laughs) And they predicted that there would be flight, but they predicted that flight would be powered by thousands of men peddling bicycles. So like, forgive me, like it is a thing that you look at and I do kind of feel like watching Scream 4, I do kind of, find myself going they were so close to a point where all of the things that they're playing off of would be much more resonant and much more uh vital because you know at at this point in screen four they still got like flip phones and end gauges and shit right right you know we're not in the full smartphone era we're not it, you know, the Instagram culture doesn't exist. Snapchat culture doesn't exist. Anything like that. Viral fame is still a thing that's like being talked about in a law and order. Watch out for your kids. Maybe one day your youngsters might want to get money on the internet. 
but like it's not really a prominent thing in the way that it is now and you wonder like if this same thing had come along five years later you know where they knew kind of where this technology was going uh-huh would it would it have maybe hit those points a little better and perhaps like you know you watch billy's speech at the end of scream one when he's talking you know that that whole thing about not just oh you got to have a motive and all that but you can tell that that's built on decades of analysis and like us talking about these problems whereas scream four is attempting to diagnose a problem that we societally have not even most of us haven't even been exposed to it's kind of like oh yeah yeah, like when Tron came out in the early 80s and is trying to talk to audiences and go, well, obviously the CPU is kind of like an overlord of the, you know, of the motherboard. <laughs> and meanwhile, most audiences when Tron came out are going, I don't, what? Is that what a computer is? But now <laughs> right. people love Tron because they're going, well, you know, some stuff was off, but look at that. They were talking <laughs> right, right. They weren't ready for it. So that's kind of, I, I wonder yeah. if that's maybe the, the problem. That's that's kind of going to be the interesting thing about Scream 5, though, is because I've seen so many of the things since Scream 4, uh, these slasher movies or shows that have tried to bring that stuff in, like the Scream show, or there's this new movie coming out on Netflix. It might have actually came out. I saw it at Fantastic Fest called There's Someone Inside Your House that's trying to deal with this kind of stuff that is... Uh, not as successful as what Scream 4 is doing because it's so trying to be of the moment that it's not it's it's like losing the the focus on the other stuff where it felt like at least Williamson and Craven were able to be like we see something coming that nobody else is really paying attention to so let's try to like figure out like where we are right now try to see maybe like What's going to happen in a few years? Because like they 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 have much better internet connection on their phones than we did in 2010. Let's be real. They're fucking live streaming video and getting right. crystal oh, yeah, clear yeah, yeah. 1080p. You know, <laughs> even right now in 2021, we're zooming. Sometimes this fucking picture stuttering and getting caught and not right. <laughs> right. Like and they do even have some like iPhone stuff, like the the smartphone stuff, like the one the Eric Knudsen kid. Uh, you yeah. know, so it's 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 almost like they're trying to say. Nobody else is noticing what's happening to teens right now because we'd already had MySpace and Facebook just started taking off where it's like, I don't know if this is going to be good for kids to not actually live a life and live it from a distance. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so a lot of the stuff's not going to actually work well, but those two guys put, you know, they didn't put the cart before the horse the way a lot of movies yeah. Uh, today do it's not it's not too dissimilar to a lot of movies trying to be get out where it's like well we're gonna be woke all right yeah. are you gonna be scary too or are we just gonna be right. fucking antebellum <laughs> like yeah what, yeah like what the fuck are we doing here it's um so yeah it's again this is a movie that is like every scream sequel not perfect but i think this is the one where there are the the moments that work are probably the best moments since the first one. The ideas and themes are the best and most clearly captured since the first one. Uh, Wes's direction is is electric in a way oh, that yeah. I hadn't seen from him since two. Because give say what you will about two, he directs the shit out of two. Oh yeah, and that scene where they're trying to escape the the car 
when the when the the police yes. guy is like stabbed mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. and that is yeah. so scary intense yeah yeah and and that's that's like a scene where you know kevin williamson would always say and west would say on the commentaries like yeah for the script and scream too i would just get scenes in the script that would say and the guy walks into the bathroom and this is where west makes it scary or <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Sydney, sydney and her roommate get into the cop car and this is where west makes it scary you yeah. know so for whatever flaws this one has i feel like uh the highs are much higher than most of the scream series and the lows are clearly not the lowest this fucking series yeah. has ever has ever yeah. seen because Except as bad as one. fuck bruce as bad as yeah. fuck bruce willis is as bad as fuck bruce right. willis is <laughs> it is it doesn't hold a candle to the scooby doo level shit like the scene where Patrick Warburton gets stabbed in the back and that gets mollywopped with a fucking skillet with the basically like the comic book, you know, cartoon effects of thwing, thwing, thwing. <laughs> it's, it's Scream 3 fucking sucks. It was like, I was a lot easier on that movie when I was younger, but I hadn't yeah. watched it in full since maybe I graduated college, since maybe around Scream 4. And holy fuck, is that movie horrible. Like, I, I would totally wow. like if we were gonna rewatch the movie next, the series next year. I'd be like, let's just skip that one. Yeah, because like, because even like Scream Four doesn't even feel like Scream Three is even in canon. No, yeah, yeah. they did I a mean, classic <laughs> reboot kind of uh, approach there. Yeah, ignore the one we don't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I the only reason I take umbrage with fuck Bruce Willis, which I believe is the worst. Uh, thing in that movie by far yeah it's, uh, it is it is yeah the only reason i take umbrage with it and more than i take umbrage with anything in scream 3 is the fact that if it if that happened in scream 3 i'd just roll with it because i'm like yeah this is what the movie's doing this is mm. its tone like i'm stuck with this this uh richard lester superman 4 kind of vibe for the whole movie but it's when it's when it happens in four, which is a movie largely bereft of that, right? And that's not yeah. the tone of that movie. That when that happens, it so breaks that moment that you're just like, wait, are we back to this? I thought we had stepped away from the ultra metatextual. I thought we had stepped away from it. And then that happens. You're like, no, I was in this. I yeah. was into now, it. Why did you have it, to do that? And it's because you know? it's he literally just got stabbed in the fucking head and he's bleeding like a stuck pig where it's like, oh, this is fucking brutal. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, also yeah. fun fact blew Mike's mind with this tidbit from the commentary. We had spent the last 10 years assuming that was an Aaron Kruger line. Nope. Anthony Anderson improved it. Whoa. Oh, Whoa. which somehow am I crazy? You guys tell me if I'm wrong. Does it simultaneously make more sense and less sense that it was an improv line? It makes more sense insofar as you're like, I get how Anthony Anderson, largely comedic actor, yeah. said, wouldn't it be fun if I said this for a take? Makes more sense there. Makes so much less sense that they went, not only should you do this, it's, oh, it's making the cut. The movie. Yeah. Not the credits, not yeah. the bonus yeah. cut, making the cut of the film. I mean, it's very clearly another movie with the goddamn Weinstein company where Wes Craven was not in complete control. Uh, he had a lot more success in that regard than he did on Scream 2, 3, or Cursed. But, uh, now, yeah, that felt like he maybe didn't have a complete editorial control. Yeah, over some we, of that we, shit. 
just in case you haven't heard any of these episodes that we've that we've done this, but we do have a pretty hard rule, just so you know, that if you if you drop Mr. He Who Shall Not Be Named, Bob's Brothers, uh, it gets beeped. So you can say his name, but we do beep the name of He Who Shall Not Be Named. Oh, by by all means, uh, please do. <laughs> hey, we I encourage didn't, I didn't say his. You didn't say, didn't say it. Say no, his first no. name. I didn't say his first That's name. That's true. Technically, both of them did screw around with this film. And does yeah. that mean yeah. you had a? Did you guys have to do a lot of beeping on Scream Three? Because well, I feel we, like that becomes actually, a huge elephant in the room on on Scream Three. We yeah, just that's, refer that's to him weird. as he who shall not be named. So anytime okay. we do that, I mean, if our podcast ever got big enough that we had like a Reddit fan page, that would be like one of the rules that people would see. <laughs> that that's that's like yeah, how so like, to decipher. Did you guys get into how weird it is that the guy whose whole life was just a giant yes. rape conspiracy yes. made a third Scream movie that's about Sydney's mom got yeah taken yeah, in by insane. a Hollywood rape conspiracy And that there team. is specifically a line of like, in Hollywood, people just get away with crimes here and, and keep on working. You're like, yeah. wow, yeah, you were just letting us know what you were about early on. Yeah, like yeah. it really Real. felt like I've been doing this for so long. There's no way I'm ever going to get caught. Let's talk about it. That's, it's it's that going really back like to the scene like. of the crime, like a yeah, serial this, killer, like showing yeah. up there. Yeah, it makes stuff. Scream 3 go from just bad to at points upsetting. Oh, like yeah. truly, yeah. genuinely. It's like yeah. a scene. Yeah. Yeah, there's, be- there's also a vibe to that movie of just like your stump. I mean, not because you're scared of the movie, but your stomach just kind of turns because it's like, I don't think I should be watching this. <laughs> and at the same time, like there is that part of me that, you know, watching it this time around in prep for this podcast. And I'm sorry, I'm talking about Scream 3. We're here to talk about Scream 4. But there is that feeling when you're watching <laughs> Scream 3 where you're like, no, hang on. You're te- if this was a movie about the ghost of a woman wronged by old Hollywood is coming back for revenge. I want to watch that movie much more than I want to watch the movie that's happening. Yeah. Like, let's do that. That sounds fun. I feel like we're talking a lot about Scream 3 because Scream 4 in many ways feels like a deliberate, deliberate turn away from what happened in Scream 3. Yeah. Yeah. On like every level. Like, especially in my mind, tonally is the biggest thing because Scream 4, I feel again, I feel like not many people discuss this, is the meanest, bloodiest entry in the oh, Scream yeah. franchise. It's shockingly well, vicious. What 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 I think the, my thought on that is, yes, I agree with you. But as we went through each of the other three movies, Wes Craven had to fight the MPAA. And, yeah, and to the point yeah. where in Scream 2 and maybe even 3, he was shooting like extra scenes so that he would yeah. have something to cut. Yeah. And so this time, you know, when the movie opens and those girls are watching Stab 5, or no, they're watching yeah. 6, um, and then the one gets cut and her throat is open, I turn to Jordan and I'm like, looks like he doesn't have to worry about the MPAA on this one. <laughs> like, yeah, they, they yeah. definitely calmed down since the 90s. I mean, especially because Scream 3, he's even said he had to deal with a lot of shit because of the Columbine shooting. So he couldn't, he yeah. really couldn't make that movie as violent as uh, he would have liked to make it. Yeah. And yeah, after, you know, the platinum dooms remakes where people are just getting chopped to bits and Eli Roth is having European guys get their dicks cut off and shut <laughs> and fed to dogs. It's like, yeah, what, what is a throat cut? Yeah. Who cares? I mean, right. Yeah. Right. You know, what's, what's a poor girl getting disemboweled on her own, on her childhood bed to 
whatever James Wan did in Soar, where, you know, someone's head gets halved with a reverse bear trap. Who cares anymore? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because we're two years out from The Walking Dead, which just revitalized, revolutionized what violence could be on screens, where it's just, uh -huh. it's in 20 million TVs across the country and everyone's just like, yeah, I'm very glad my Mountain Dew drinking 12 year old son is watching this before <laughs> he plays Call of Duty. Very happy my child is watching this. Right. Where who cares what Scream 4 is doing? It's not going to be whatever Greg Nicotero dreams up when he's fucking eating dinner at night. Mm, I should do this to I should do this to Daryl Dixon's brother. <laughs> well, here we are, folks. It's the Christmas season, and that means I'm putting on another Christmas show on my YouTube, much like I did last year. This year, it's December 11th. 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time will be the premiere of Christmas at the Movies. Five of the songs are going to be available for everyone, and five of the songs are only going to be available to patrons of any tier. And we have some wonderful guests this year. We got Jacob and Sherea Summers, Brett Levick, Troy Thompson, Josiah Oliveira, Johnny Gerson, Evan Coons, Noah Cunningham, Aaron Fagan, Richard Bokish, Stephen Nance, Lauren Panter, Anna Marcoux, Reed Campbell, Chris Heisner, Jeremy Eden and his puppets. And also, of course, I'll be there. So mark your calendar, be there at the premiere December 11th 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Be there in the comments. Go to patreon.com slash M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W. Get the entire concert. It is, I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm still editing it, but it is unbelievably cool, and I think we topped last year. So get ready for Christmas at the Movies. Well, let's... Let's, I mean, we are, we're in it and I love this, but let's, we're let's in the weeds, talk baby. for, for a bit about who made the movie for the listeners. Uh, I'm we so still sorry got... we derailed this. I'm so, no, so sorry. No, that's what no. we want. That's, that's great. <laughs> this is what happens. We had, um, our, our episode on Batman, we had Kevin and Will Hines on and we wound up just kind of like, because we love those guys, we kind of just sat there and listened to them talk for like two hours and then we were like. That's the episode. Great. <laughs> and it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So um, this movie, it's directed by Wes Craven. It's his last movie because he is going, he dies in 2015. Um, Kevin Williamson is back. Uh, cinematography is Peter Deming. Music's Marco Beltrami. Don't really have to talk about those people because we've been talking about them this yep. whole time. The movie costs $40 million to make. Domestically, it only makes 38, and worldwide, it makes 95.9. So it's sort of seen as a bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah. And because we were wondering about this, Cox and Arquette were not divorced yet, but okay. they were right about there. Okay. And they were professional, but some scenes were tense, is what I read. Okay. Yeah, Wes even says in the commentary, he's like, yeah, it's kind of interesting how their story in this movie's uh kind of getting into what's actually happening to them in real life. Yeah. I, yeah. I had a moment toward the end when they're in the hospital where I was, and I was, you know, reading way too much into it, but I was thinking, wait, there haven't been a lot of shots where they have been in the same shot together. 
Yeah, and they like, kind of separated a lot. And then and then there was a couple shots where they were like right after I thought that. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm noticing this, but if I rewatched the movie, I'm just wrong. But I, I that made me wonder. And then reading this, it's like it could probably go either way, you know. Um, but yeah, so pretty much Kevin signs on, and then Craven is like, cool, let's make the movie. As long as it's as good as Scream, he says, which I'm sure. You already knew that, but um, um, and then and then Aaron Kruger does a rewrite. Uh, Paul Harris Boardman does some rewrites. So there's there's a little mixed stew, and I see what you're saying. I feel like it would have been interesting to see the complete Kevin vision of this. Yeah, there is also I, I, the um. I wish you guys know about the tweet, right? I do not know about the tweet. So this is where people who were following this as it was coming out started to get worried, right? Okay. Okay. Because because this is what we do when we love a franchise. Like you look for little things that make you go, oh no. <laughs> uh, you know, these these are the things. Uh, you know, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, Ghostbusters Afterlife screened at Comic-Con, and amidst all of the excitement, occasionally you see a tweet that maybe makes you go, oh no. <laughs> um and in this case. Um, it was that a number of actors allegedly quit the film because of the Aaron Kruger rewrites. So a publication, I believe Zap to it is the name of the original publication, reported that Aaron Kruger's rewrites were so extensive. Uh, Lauren Graham was originally cast in the film as Emma Roberts' mom, but yeah. quit after Kruger uh, dramatically reduced her part. Um. And even Hayden, uh, Hayden Panettiere wanted out initially at one point, allegedly, because she was written to be the new Randy. She was written to be both the role she plays in the film and the Eric Knudsen role. Oh. That she was supposed to be the one live streaming, the AV dork. That's why she knows so much about movies. She was supposed to be the Randy character of this film. Uh, so there's a lot of dissatisfaction. This publication reported it, and somebody like tagged Wes Craven in it uh, on July 2nd, 2010 to say, oh, well, uh, you know, Wes, is this true? And Wes Craven, who could have said nothing, responded <laughs> oh, with a no. tweet that just says, I have not been given control of the script. <gasps> Which <laughs> is about as direct as you were going to if Unless you're going full Josh Trank with Fantastic Four, that's right. as direct as you're going to get from a director before their movie comes out. Also, uh, oh, a director wow. as polite and collegial as Wes Craven. Yeah. If it was John Carpenter, he'd be like, yeah, no, nah, it's fucking... This shit right. yeah. But John Carpenter <laughs> would also say that... John Carpenter would also say that if the movie was going well. He yeah, would have broken the news. John Carpenter would have. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. That's yeah. Wow. Um, Thanks for bringing that. I did. I did not uh, encounter that. Yeah. yeah, yeah another yeah. thing, c c jumping off the Pat Hayden Panettiere thing, is that it was written in her contract that she was supposed to survive, and um, it was supposed to have like a like an almost Dewey esque moment at the end of the first one where it's like, oh, she's still alive. She's still alive, and um, uh, apparently it was quite uh tense uh with not getting that stuff done and leaving it very open-ended 
where Wes goes, yeah, I, I, I know what you would do. And that's why you're still moving when you're bleeding out on the floor. You're trying not to say, you're trying to be like, I'm not dead. It's like, it's like Andrew Dice Clay in, in, in vinyl. Remember the, uh, the famous, uh, no, I don't No, I don't. Cause nobody remembers vinyl. No, you were, it's I remember true. Talking nobody about does in the pilot, <laughs> in the pilot of vinyl, Andrew Dice Clay's character dies. And he apparently like kept when he was dying, yelling things about his twin brother. No, and apparently Marty serious? had to come over and be like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? And Dice was like, well, that way I could come back, but as my twin. And they're like, stop what? saying that. That is, yes, <laughs> that, is, that is supposedly the story. So it's like, that. well, you guys know what the original ending was supposed to be, right? Of this movie? Of Scream 4, yes. Not, not okay. vinyl. No one knows <laughs> like, how vinyl ended. I got I to admit, haven't been Marty. paying attention to vinyl. <laughs> Marty, do you remember doing vinyl? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, hit us with that 40. ending. So originally Scream 4 was supposedly the, in the Williamson draft. There was ambiguity about Kirby's survival because essentially you were supposed to end with uh, Emma Roberts on the stretcher. Everybody's talking about that she's a hero, that she's mm-hmm. a survivor, that she's getting what she wants. And then you hear from the house somebody saying she's still alive. She's still alive with no clarity. And we end on a shot of Emma Roberts' face suddenly being like, oh, shit. And that wow. was how it was supposed to end from what I was reading. Which, So there was none of that hospital stuff at the end. Yeah. And it basically sets you up so perfectly for a sequel. Yeah. Because now we're all sitting here wondering, is Kirby still alive? Or is um, God... Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. I have I, I have to admit I have a huge problem with if you if you put a gun to my head and said it, which one is scream, which one is scary movie, uh Cindy Campbell or Sydney Prescott, you will kill me. Oh. I will never get it right. It is always <laughs> twisted in my head. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so it's supposed to be ambiguous, and that would set up the sequel is the idea of instead of what the other scream films had been doing up until that point, which is mystery who's the killer killer's gone we've got the survivors yeah. now we're following a much different thread which is someone knows who it was someone knows who the killer is yeah, let's reverse the dynamic yeah and and that was williamson's idea and then um i don't know we got what we got so yeah yeah again gonna be interesting with five since he didn't write it but he's on as a producer and he gave those radio silence guys, the, uh, you know, the thumbs up for what they're doing. And, um, you know, they don't have the fucking death star hanging over them, you know, imposing cuts and rewrites and fucking shoving Aaron Kruger down their throats. So, you know, it seems like this one's going to be another one where we get the clarity of vision from the jump. But, uh, yeah, again, what, what the hell is this movie going to be? Well, we could have found out today. Fucking shitheads at marketing for, for, (laughs) we know sort of, We've seen still images from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, that's yeah, all we've like got it's so like, far. Like it's the goddamn 90s. Ooh, look <laughs> at the spread from Entertainment Weekly. No. What are we hey, doing? When I saw a grizzled David Arquette, I got a little excited. You think they're going to throw in a, some backstory that Dewey just <laughs> chasing the high of constantly getting stabbed by Ghostface started getting into deathmatch wrestling? I was going to say, in the meantime, <laughs> Dewey has become <laughs> champion of WCW. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dewey's, Dewey constantly just keeps getting stabbed in the neck with electric lighting tubes. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Gage is a supporting character in this movie. 
day. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, you just got Chris Jericho standing in the background. I can't believe this. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, we're going to find out tomorrow. And by the Hell time yeah. this episode comes out, we will have probably already seen it in a theater by then. You know. Well, you said this was coming the, out in Thanksgiving, right? I, m- I meant... Um, I meant seeing the trailer in the theater. I oh, the trailer. That. Yes, 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 oh, yes. yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. But um, I was going to say, what if... connection do you have, man? I'm impressed. Ooh, shit. <laughs> they might be playing a trailer in front of Halloween Kills. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. that does make sense. Yep. Going to be interested to see what the reaction is to in it from a crowd to a screen five. Well, yeah. as long as it, uh, and, and I hope you guys don't mind if I bring up this topic, as long as it doesn't look like absolute crap uh, visually. Yeah. Because oh, let's address yeah. that Scream 4. What happened? Oh, it, I think it, it looks fine. That. It, what did we I do? I think it looks fine. It's so bright oh. to me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also I, the era for horror. That's what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. suffers from, like, at least those first... A little, like, blown watch. out, mm-hmm. overexposed. Yeah. But, I mean, I think composition-wise, we're still... Peter Deming's a good cinematographer. He's nailing that. But I think it I think it looks good for that era where it's it feels like it's purposefully looks like a Platinum Dunes movie. That's the that's kind of the thing that gets me is like when you're to me watching it, it's like I watched it. And because I said to you when I was watching it again, I said, it's weird how this movie looks, how it looks all blown out, how the lighting's weird. And you said you responded and said, I mean, look, Wes just couldn't adapt to visual to digital. And I agreed with you until I then looked it up and went, no, this was shot on film. Oh, this was shot on Panavision. But, and I, I truly That's wonder surprising. if it, well, here's what happened. They did a lot of weird shit in post. Hmm. Got it. They did a lot yeah. of weird shit in post. And it's frustrating because to me, like those first, the first film, especially, but two, two really understands how to use shadow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shadow was so effective in those. And this one suffers from, you know, like Tom is saying, like that Platinum Dunes era thing, but that thing of like, we need to see everything. Yeah. This well, girl's it, hair should look like wheat. It should look like the fucking Days of Heaven fields. Yeah, it, but, it, you know, it, the, him, you saying that they did a lot of stuff in post makes me think it was a deliberate choice to make it look like a Platinum Dunes movie. And I do think they still do good stuff with shadows and whatnot because... There's um the one that pops into my mind is right after the 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 closet murder scene and Sydney and uh, Emma Roberts are talking in the hallway and then Ghostface comes out from the shadowy doorway like that's that's good classic Wes Craven yeah. horror filmmaking and you know I think they even do some good stuff with the shadows and all that um, like in the scene where Rory Culkin's tied up in the back. And they're doing mm-hmm. the, you know, name the uh, the remake of the iconic, and she lists, you know, all mm-hmm. of them off. I think, I think it was a purposeful decision. Is it a completely successful thing? No, because this film was obviously not the uh, easiest movie for West to, to make. Because, oh, the super rapists of the world decided they needed to, you know, fuck another movie into oblivion. Like I don't know what the hell their deal was with that shit constantly ruining movies that's what's so weird because you look at this and it it, like to me and obviously i'm not dismissing anybody who absolutely loves scream 4 but it's just the thing where every step of the way you just keep going like i cannot imagine this anything that's bad i just feel like i can't imagine this was the intention 
Like Scream Three well, is flawed from the start. This one, anytime something bugs me or like throws me with Scream Four, I just keep thinking like this can't have been where it started. Somebody had to have stepped in at some point in the process and gone, "Hey, what about instead of that we do this?" And that's how we get any of those moments. The fuck Bruce Willis, the you know some of the some of the scenes where the pacing is just. Well, Maybe a little glacial, you know. Here's the thing of having seen every Wes Craven movie. The man is not perfect. He's made a lot of bad movies. And even in a lot of his good movies, he's made some quite stupid decisions. Um, so, you know, like you listen to the commentary for Scream 2 and you go, oh, he's making some good decisions here. But you also then know, well, no, he's kind of just covering because this movie was a fucking mess. Or like Scream 3, he's like, yeah, you know, we had to write this scene. And, you know, I thought it was really good for like dealing with this. And you go, yeah, he's making a good point for this thing that he did. This thing that he did that's really dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Where sometimes, you know, Wes isn't John Carpenter. I feel like that's, you know, those are the two titans of 70s and 80s horror. But John was a lot more in control of his cinema where Wes was kind of taking a shotgun and kind of seeing where the the pellets hit and i mean hell fuck three decades in a row the guy re re you know revolutionized horror he did it with last house on the left he did it with nightmare on elm street then fucking guy does it with scream yeah it's you know sometimes the guy really knocks it out of the park and sometimes he just makes the hills have eyes too well, that's also because, I mean, you talk about Carpenter and Craven. Are you guys John Carpenter fans by any chance? Mm-hmm. Love, yeah. love, okay. love John yeah. Carpenter. So, I mean, you know, uh, th- think about the fact that, like, they're two totally different guys from two totally different backgrounds. I mean, you know, obviously, Carpenter is a Howard Hawks guy, but he's also a UCLA kid, right? Yeah. He comes out, his first movie is a student film. That, well, first off, he writes the score to an Oscar-winning short, then makes a student film that is so well liked they make it into a feature. Like he's got a lot. Yeah, yeah. Wes Craven made porn, right? Like yeah. that's his start. Wes like, Craven was also grew up like in he, a super religious household, and mm-hmm. he didn't see movies until he went to college. That's the thing. And then he makes Last House on the Left, and even as revolutionary as that is, he then has to make uh, the the Firework Woman, I think, or whatever. He directs it under a, a pseudonym, but he's making. I mean, literal adult films, mm-hmm. and then he'll have eyes. So he's the opposite of Carpenter, whereas Carpenter, you know, has the control because he was a film school kid. He was, you know, he, he's a, a lot more, you know, as grumpy as he can be. He's a very high-minded mm-hmm. individual. And Wes really had to fight for everything. And I think what's maybe a bummer when you're looking at Scream is, like Tom said, he reinvented horror three times. And even with Scream 4, even with his final film, he was still having to fight for shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it's the same thing with John. You know, they kind of overstayed their welcomes a bit in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, for as much as those, you know, Scream One and Two made so much money, Scream Three was a disappointment. Red, uh, you know, Music from the Heart may have got Meryl an Oscar nomination, but it didn't make a lot of money. Was it Meryl that got the Oscar nomination or was it the song got nominated and wasn't it? Well, um, it was a movie oh, with Meryl Streep in it. I assume it got nominated for yeah, but who's the other lead? Music, <laughs> who's the yeah, other lead sure music of the heart? I'm losing my mind. Did it, Whatever. Uh, no Angela one. Angela Bassett got nominated. Angela Bassett. She got nominated. But but yeah. but cursed was another train wreck with the Weinstein's. Uh, Red Eye didn't make a lot of money, and then he doesn't make a movie until My Soul to Take, which is 
Oh, if you want to see a fucking wild movie, that shit is like beamed in from another dimension. Where like aliens think they know what high school kids are like. Holy shit, is that movie wild? Then he gets Scream 4 and, you know, the talk was like, it's going to be a new, a new trilogy for Scream. Kevin Williamson's got this tr new trilogy plotted out. Wes is all psyched to do it. Then it doesn't make, you know, then it's a nightmare to make and then doesn't make as much money. And talks of Scream 5, you know, the original Scream 5 kind of stalled out. And then, you know, Wes passed away. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like John, same thing. Made so much money for so many people, but then he stopped making money. And then he had to fight for three movies. But then John, unlike Wes, was just like, well, fuck this. I'm going home. I'm playing video games and I'm getting high with my wife. Like, what the fuck do I need money? I'm making residuals over Halloween and the Halloween score. What do I need to break my ass for? I'm an old man. <laughs> oh, John Carpenter's the best. <laughs> if interview only... today, a little brief interview, uh, a brief thing from an interview today. So, gonna... so uh, I see that there's some references to Halloween Three, uh, Season of the Witch, in this movie. Was that your idea, or was uh, it someone else's idea? And he just goes, "I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I, I just life goals is what John Carpenter is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I wish he had. I mean, you know, he has his quote apocalyptic trilogy, but you yeah. know, we cover trilogies and more, so I I think that's a little loose of a definition. So I don't know that we'll ever cover him on this podcast. I mean, listen, but, if you if you pretend that pretend. Ghosts of Mar if you pretend that Ghosts of Mars is the Escape from Earth movie it was originally supposed to be, you can squeak out hey, three now there. We're talking. That's all I'm saying. Because you that watch is, Ghost, yeah, Ghost of Mars. Those last like five Carpenters, I, I've been I've been going through, and I haven't I haven't seen the last like chunk. So I, I have kind of his quote can, bad period still to go just, through. You can but, just stop it in the mouth of madness. Nope, nope. Go to Ghost of no, Mars. No, I'm going all the way. No, nope, no, that's not man, even the baby. end. That's not even the end. No, I know. You got to get to the ward. ward. Yeah, but the ward it's is just fine. No, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Like Ghosts of Mars is a is a is a fascinating train wreck, and the ward is you go, yeah, yeah. All right. I saw <laughs> yeah. that. I yeah. I, I uh, just the, again the final thing with the West first John thing is that West was you know not a movie guy. He was an intellectual. He went to he you know he was a professor at college. He was an idea guy. Sometimes his ideas got away from him, and his movies look like shit, and they're barely like held together by duct tape and you know scotch tape and all that. John, what for whatever flaws. You know, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, absolute dog shit. Looks really good. It Watched it last looks, week for the first time. Yeah. What'd <laughs> you think? In, it was yeah, a tough movie to get through. But it looks and feels like a movie. Where yeah, that's true. You watch, you watch shit like Swamp Thing or The Hills <laughs> Have Eyes 2 or Deadly Friend, the movie I got coming in the mail from Scream Factory tomorrow where a boy <laughs> makes a robot friend. Yeah, it's just, he, he's he, sometimes Wes... His ideas just did not congeal into anything that even looked like cinema. But then sometimes they did. Uh, back to Scream 4. <laughs> I'm so sorry we keep derailing your show. No, I love it. So much, so much context. No, this is good because, you know, I mean, again, my perspective on Scream is watching it for the first time, all these movies, like minimum 10 years past when the last one came out. So... I know them from a very modern lens of looking back on them instead of like seeing all of that comes before and during you know, and, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now so, I have a. I, I can I ask a question about that? Is that yeah. is it okay if I pivot back? So my question is, um, you didn't watch these movies when they came out, right? No. Like, do you still get that feeling? I get this sometimes when I watch a movie that I didn't see when it was in the zeitgeist. Does it still watching them, even though you didn't see them when they came out? Does it still take you back to that time? Like, are you watching it? having not seen it before and still weirdly getting nostalgic oh, for yeah. I remember when that poster was in the movie theater yeah. and well, I didn't go here's, see it. Here's where we might drop the bomb on you. When night, when uh, uh, Scream came out, I was a three-year-old. So right, well, we were six. Yeah, I, I mean, did yeah, not that, see that, it at all. It's, okay, it's so we are cl- we're close. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We right, got a few old? guests on here that, didn't, that, are, uh, that have been much older than us and I'm like, I don't know the context of that. <laughs> how but, how much older do we look? That's the key question here. Well, no, know? the way how you were much? talking about it, I was assuming you don't look older. <laughs> Believe me. Uh-oh. Oh, uh oh. They're talking to me, not you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna press stop right here. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's. I was just thinking about this, right, with the scream movies. The '90s fucking sucked for horror, so the scream movies were this breath of fresh air, right? So it's totally revitalize it. Yeah. So and they were kind of even for when they came out for the years after the only good thing in the 90s, really. So it's interesting that Scream 4 came out when there was a lot of horror going on. I actually yeah. like a yeah. lot of that stuff from that era. You know that I like the saws and the hostels, but I even like a good chunk of the remakes from that time. So it's interesting that it simultaneously missed its mark in in 2011 correct yeah but also is now like we said before ahead of its time where a lot of movies don't have um the staying power while at the same time just completely missing its moment if it came out like maybe a year before before the complete failure of nightmare on elm street and the rob zombie halloween movies like uh critically at least because they made money yeah. like people fucking hated rob zombies two movies they hated elm street and they hated friday the 13th you gotta think if it was maybe a year earlier scream 4 might have had a little more juice to it and yeah. then who knows what would have happened but hey yeah. who knows yeah i mean what, context what, what, baby what do yeah. you think about that that like like does it taking you back because you saw them earlier in your life than i did yeah but like I was a teen. I mean, I as a kid, like when these movies were out, I didn't see them because I wasn't allowed to. And what's fun about it is the the ghost face was so scary to me as a kid because I knew I wasn't supposed to look at it and like watch it. So people on Halloween dresses it really freaked me oh, out. Yeah. So when I finally watched it as a teenager, it really felt like oh I get it now. And this is scary. Like I was so scared when I was a teenager watching it. So I feel like I I got it when I watched yeah. it, and that it's I love it. I now, really I really remember the Halloweens, those yeah. that the last four years of the '90s, and even like 2000 when Scream Three was coming out. I remember people in my grade, you know, we're 10 years old, and we're not we're not getting to see the movie, but we're talking like, oh, who do you think the killer is going to be? Like, do you think mm-hmm. uh, blah blah blah? And then just, yeah, seeing everyone, you know, dressed up like that thing for Halloween where you just couldn't escape it, like I said. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it probably 2002, 2003, where 
we there was a block party on our block and me and my younger brother were just like well this is fucking boring scream 2 is on tv do you want to just go inside and watch scream 2 <laughs> and we're like i was like hell yeah let's let's do that fuck that this, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. long, island, long island's garbage let's get away from these people <laughs> i now jordan when you talked about you saw these were you a horror person before that i don't think we got into your background with horror like yeah. growing up i yeah, I as a kid, so you know, when I when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so all of it was just so like innately scary to me when I finally could watch it. Um which is fun, but I feel like I got into horror when I was a teenager. I feel like Scream is kind of like one of the cornerstones for me like when I did. It's a big yeah. deal for me. And I said on I probably a past episode when we were watching cuz I watched it with my sister. And when we were watching the second one and the part when Ghostface is chasing Courtney Cox and like the sound booths mm-hmm. like that, we like went outside, like we were so scared, but we weren't willing to admit it to each other. <laughs> so we were like, let's go take the dog outside for a minute. Um, but since, since then, when I was like even further than that, I was super into gore. So I would just watch the crappiest, you know, Nazi zombie gory movies that Netflix had to offer and I, w- I haven't seen all the saws, but I've seen several of them. And those are a little too much for me. Although I haven't seen the first one and I want to, I got to see the first one, but. Oh, the first one um, slaps. First one is, yeah. first one is, 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 is a, is Don't a blast. Say slaps you old man. <laughs> <laughs> the first so, one's yeah. a real hoot and holler in good old time. Can you, um, you, you can't say slap. You're having a nice hoot nanny with some nice triple uh, X uh, moonshine. <laughs> you you can't say pajamas. slaps and host a podcast about the film registry. That's like a big no, no. <laughs> oh, this is the best thing. I love doing stuff like this because I don't have to be what I am on our show. Because Tom makes fun of me all the time. When we do our show, I have like my Dick Cavett voice where it's just our guest today is a prestigious film writer joining us to talk about FW Murnau. <laughs> like I don't get to I don't get to talk about uh uh-huh. Saw or uh-huh. uh Yeah. So like, you know, there's never gonna be a time where I get to talk about uh, Jason X or anything like that on our show. It doesn't happen. Yep. I don't know. Until I finally get my uh, push in the National <laughs> Film Registry successful. Which, by the way, uh, Jordan, and to both of you guys, but I know you said you didn't watch any of the Jason movies, right? Yeah. You said, yeah. Uh, it is the only franchise where I plead with you, I recommend to you, it's the only one where I will recommend just do the end ones. Like, you don't really? have to start at the beginning. Because if you start at the beginning, you're going to get, you know, some solid slashers. But you need to see when things get desperate for them. Because the, the crucial thing is when they start going, we have run out of things to do with Hockey Mask Slasher. Uh, let's bring in Jason a girl to play Carrie. Carrie. Yeah, let's bring yeah, a girl to play Carrie. Carrie. But we can't call her Carrie, but she's got Carrie's like, powers. You're talking like Stephen King, like Carrie. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. He fights a psychic they, girl. Because they, yeah. they were trying to do Freddy vs. Jason back in the 80s, but New Line said absolutely not. And so they were just like, all right, well, what other horror character could we kind of do but not pay the rights? And someone was like, I don't fucking know, Carrie? I'm like, <laughs> fine, telekinetic girl. Oh. So you got what- tele? yeah. He fights a telekinetic. <laughs> it's then the worst he- one. Then he goes to Manhattan. That's Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, then one he of goes to hell. Then he goes to hell, but then you get Jason X, where it's set in the future. They send him to space. 
Yeah. And if we're going to talk about trailers you remember seeing and posters you remember seeing. Jason truly I, did let the bodies hit the floor. That's the thing. I, I remember, I don't remember seeing Scream trailers. I don't remember seeing anything, but I vividly remember sitting in the theater to see, I don't know if it was Titan AE or one of those movies that only I saw. And I just remember <laughs> Jason goes to space and they start blasting let the bodies hit the floor by oh, drowning. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. What a time capsule. Wow. I, I plead with you, if nothing else, you've after you finish this recording tonight, just look up the trailer. You yeah, don't you even need to watch okay. the whole movie. You've <laughs> never seen anything so fucking 2000 than yeah. the trailer to Jason X. <laughs> Wait, what guys, we are gonna watch it. Guys, Jason just wants his machete back. We're safe. Bum, bum. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, uh, I can't recommend that enough. Scream four. Um, scream four. <laughs> yeah, very, I, I I'm would so just sorry. say. So you know, I, I really love horror. I do have a ton of blind spots. Recently saw The Ring for the first time. The, the American saw, or the Japanese? American. American. Okay. Um, and then recently saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. Both of us and Ooh. loved it. And we just last night watched the second one. We watched Freddy's loved Revenge. Loved it. Oh, we were like, oh my god! Okay, we gotta just take the plunge on Halloween Nightmare the on Elm Street. Second one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's Friday so the bad. It's so great. You... Okay. So so right. okay. So, so. We, we, we've got we've got a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast recording later this week. We, are, we got, I gotta we, save. We've I gotta been save watching them all. Yeah, we're doing another show on on Elm Street Five, which is the worst of those films. Um, and six. And is that Dream Child? Dream Child. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, we're not. I mean, obviously, we're not there yet. We just watched two, but yeah. Two is two is a hoot. Before you get to that series, uh, two is a hoot. Um, Clue Gallagher reacting to a bird exploding. I mean, the coach getting whipped in the showers with the towels. Yep. is one and of then, the greatest moments of cinema. I do mean, you guys know <laughs> when they go to the leather bar? Do you know who the bartender is? No, no. The no. bartender at the leather bar is Bob Shea, the head, the of, head New of New Line. Wow. <laughs> Bob Shea shows up in a number of these films because um, he's in. I think he's a teacher in four. Uh, he shows up a couple times, but yeah, Bob Shea is the bartender. Wow. It, yeah, the Elm Street movies are are, are a blast, especially because you get another Wes Craven in there. Yeah, you get yeah. Elm Street, and you get Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Um. And if you finish all those, there's a great like four hour documentary called Never Sleep Again, where they really get into the, the franchise and the ups and oh, downs yeah. of that. I would love that. And I got to be real. It's the kind of thing that I hope when Scream 5 comes out or whenever down the line, it's the kind of thing I would love for this franchise. I know Wes has yeah. passed and you it couldn't should, do that. Yeah. But Scream feels like the kind of thing that could have a great postmortem of let's look at the time this came out. Let's look at and let's really get into like kids watching it today aren't going to realize which is when the first scream came out everybody thought drew barrymore was the star yeah mm -hmm. that's the yes. best move. like they pulled off the janet lee and mm -hmm. then nobody saw that ending coming and if anything yeah. the thing that has hurt scream as a franchise is the fact that you are always going to be trying to top that opening and that ending you're always going to yeah. be chasing those yeah. highs right. i think scream this... yeah I was gonna say it's got the it's got the same issue franchise wise that Halloween does. It's it's constantly chasing that first perfect movie. Where yeah. At least like Elm Street has like Dream Warriors is just not doing the first movie. Oh, yeah. New Nightmare is so not doing anything that came before it. Where all the Scream movies like like pretty much every Halloween until Rob Zombies were just like 
well, we kind of got to just do what John Carpenter did. It's like, well, no, you don't, because you fucking idiots are not John Carpenter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's because it's also because I think that what they lose, Halloween, it's just, you know, the sequels are just them going, like, how can we make other kills that are as brutal? The first scream is great because there's a tension of you are genuinely like Agatha Christie style wondering who's the killer? What is this? Two and three seem really focused on can we have more brutal kills? Can we have scarier moments losing sight of that momentum? Scream 4, I think, tries to maintain that sense of mystery. For me, I think it doesn't keep your interest. Is well. I think the momentum is not as strong as the first one. This was one where I found myself on the rewatch at certain points just going, all right, yeah. I that to me like Scream One is a movie you watch and go Jesus Christ who could the killer be and Scream Four for me I sat back and go yeah I'm I'm curious to see who the killer is but there's that it, it, yeah, a I little less urgency yeah uh, disagree <laughs> fuck you next question <laughs> well, like, okay I, you know yeah sorry you guys go ahead well this let's is, this is let's your show. let's talk about I I I want to talk about Rory Culkin. And I want to talk about the sad guy from Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Yes, uh, the film bros. Yeah. I I love them. I love them I so much in this movie. I yeah, I, th- I thought they were great. I mean, I mean, well, I guess that's what I have to say. Well, it's not just, very I, interesting. I, I really like they're just great. I love Jamie's character in the first movie, you know, having someone commentating on everything that's happening film wise. And then in the second movie, you still have that, although he dies at some point. And then the third movie is just like, okay, fine. We, I guess we missed him that bad that we had to figure out how to put him in this movie too. And then in this movie, I like, didn't miss, didn't even think about him. Yeah. Like they, they got the, it's good. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I think, uh, Eric Knudsen kind of, uh, in a way runs away with the movie for me. Cause I think he handles Kevin Williamson's dialogue as good as anybody in all four yeah. of these movies has done. It's why I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. His career has not taken off in any real way since this movie. Yeah. Like he, 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 he should be a lot bigger than he, he, he is. Um, yeah. And Rory Culkin's great. I think he really nails that sad boy incel shit. Well, you don't even yeah. realize at first that he's like an incel, but that moment when the mask drops and he stabs yeah. Hayden Panettiere and he's like, four That's years, a- you haven't noticed me. And now you notice yeah. me, you bitch. And he just yeah. stab- just keeps stabbing. I'm like, oh, okay, he gets this. He- mm-hmm. And this feels like Kevin Williamson seeing in like the 15 years since that first one being like, okay, yeah, the Randy guy is not really the best guy you want to be around in high school in 2011. He's the guy right. that is going to be like, weirdly possessive about women and have weird sexual issues and get easily led by his nose by a pretty girl who got you know cucked by a jock and led to his death at the end because he's too fucking hung up on emma roberts to realize Mm -hmm. no 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 you're not randy in this situation you're 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 still you're you're the one that's gonna die with with this one's billy yeah and I, i think I think, yeah, I think that's one of the elements that Kevin uh, really, really understood that Randy is not the guy you want to be anymore. And I think Hayden is the smart way to make, like, 
there is a Randy these days, but they're not these super freak, like socially inept, loud dipshits. Mm-hmm. Like Hayden is probably smarter than the, those two, but she's not, you know, constantly pining for Sydney the way Randy is in his two movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that I, when I was rewatching Scream 2 and I heard Randy have that line of like, I've been hopelessly in love with Cindy for years. I'm like, have you? That makes me rethink this whole thing, man. Jesus. Um, I don't, I, 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 you know, Tom and I discussed this uh, off mic before, but like, I still go back to when I read that there wasn't supposed to be Eric Knudsen, when I read that it was supposed to be Kirby, the Hayden Pentier character was supposed to occupy both the roles of Emma Roberts's best friend and also the total AV nerd with Rory Culkin. That to me, I find that more interesting myself. I like the Rory Culkin character a lot. I think he's an interesting uh, dynamic. The Eric Newton character, I just kind of, it never really worked for me. I don't know what it, I, I wish I could put my finger on it. I, you know, there's just something about it. And it's the mix of like a, no, I'm streaming all the time. Kind of like, it, it felt a little expositiony. I certainly don't love yelling I'm gay before getting stabbed. I get the gag just a little yeah. odd. Um, I just keep thinking about when I look at that and especially how underserved Kirby is compared to what she should be. That for me, and I obviously people are welcome to disagree and I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm saying for me personally, there is nothing that Eric Knudsen does in the movie that I think is worth that not being the role that Kirby serves, especially because for me, if you end the movie on a note where you've introduced us to a new trio and that trio was always in on the action because we're not dividing our time between like scenes that can sometimes be the boys are hosting the AV club and the boys are talking about the rules of horror movies. And also Kirby's over here with Emma Roberts. She's super into horror movies. Doesn't really talk about them with Emma Roberts, but she's super into them anyway. They're going to talk about girl stuff. If instead you've got a dynamic where you're always in with one of those three and then your ultimate resolution especially if you keep the original Williamson ending is that Kirby tries so desperately to save Rory Culkin's life he then stabs her and she discovers that while she has been you know part of this mystery about the killer the killer is the two people in her life she's bookended by the killers who have conspired behind her back because Emma Roberts manipulated Rory Culkin because of his unrequited love for a person who really just wanted, thought that he was her friend, like that sense of betrayal and then ending on she's still, uh, she's alive, she's alive and the idea that it could be Kirby, like that adds the stakes to it in a way where to me, like I said, I'm, I, I'm not telling anybody not to like it, for me, there's nothing that Kutsa does in the movie that I couldn't help but think like, right, I would have loved if Kirby was more directly involved in things. I would have loved if she was I, live streaming in the barn. Okay, so my thing is, it's not so much what Knudsen brings to it, so much as I think you need to separate Hayden from Rory Culkin. I think it's better that she's not connected to him in any real way. It makes his weird incel shit hit a little harder because if it if it is that thing of they've been friends for four years and he's now just you know he's gonna kill her again you know he's gonna try to kill her 
it just feels a little too, I don't know, easy. By making it, she didn't notice him, but she's noticing him now because they're con- they're connecting now. Makes it that, well, Rory just needed to put himself out there and maybe she would have noticed him instead of, oh, well, we're friends and she just never noticed me. Uh, I also think you need to keep Hayden around Emma as often as possible to keep them from cheating that she's the killer. You need to have someone that's always around because I think the movie's really good at making you think you've seen scenes with just Emma Roberts, but you don't. Yeah. It, yeah. It's very good at that. And if you have M- uh, Hayden constantly bouncing between the two, like if she's always with Rory Culkin or more with Rory Culkin, it takes away from her. And you still, if they stuck to that initial cut to black ending, you'd still get that Hayden. It's maybe it's Hayden. Maybe Kirby's still alive because at the end of the day, if she's still alive, she's going to wake up and she's going to at least know it wasn't uh, the boyfriend character. She at least knows it was Rory. So then there's this lingering mystery of, is she going to find out it's Emma? Is Emma going to get to her before she finds out? Is Sydney still alive? Is she going to be able to get Sydney out of her goddamn coma before whatever the hell? I, I think it would have added just as much. Uh, I think the hospital scene is kind of not, I don't hate it, but it is the kind of thing that just um, takes the wind out of the sails for what Scream 5 could have been. But hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now, uh, what I will say about in 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 a minor defense, I'm not going to defend it too hard, but the, the hospital scene, I kind of dig simply because all of the characters, and, and, and this is getting into like, it's getting very meta, you know, of course, which can sometimes be an issue if it goes too far. But I just kind of love how they're all just kind of like, really? What? This is too much. You're not supposed to do this. Like, it's not supposed to go on this long. And all the characters are, like, self-aware of that fact. And so I personally, I I dig the hospital scene. But um, that's not to say that the the original cut would have been better. But for the movie we have, and for not knowing that information while watching it, yeah. Um I was ve- I was satisfied and I dug I, that. I do also I do think it kind of works as a meta commentary for how movies just don't fucking end anymore. Yeah. Movies yeah. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. Movies movies just keep fucking going. It's like, "All right, Jesus Christ, we get end the movie." And I know um, that's like anytime we watch an old movie or or like, you know, uh the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street movies, it's like, "Okay, they just killed Freddy." Well, "Quote unquote," killed him. The movie's going to be over in two minutes, max. Yeah, yeah. Do- like, do- Donald Pleasant shoots Michael Myers out of a out of a window. Yeah. Goes to Lori. He's like, "Hey, you okay?" She's like, "Not really." And he goes, "Great, gonna check something real quick." Goes outside. Michael's gone. The end. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like it, I get it, it. Yeah. Now we have to have a fourth act in like fifteen minutes, and I think it kind of works that way. I think it works in that way you're, you're describing too, where they all know it's like fuck this isn't how it's supposed to go yeah. especially emma roberts where it's just like this bitch just won't die <laughs> yeah. and i, I think oh, i'm sorry let me uh, just one no, more little point it's please, a fun reversal to me i know that the killer yeah. did live but it is sort of a fun reversal that like the killer always lives but this time the victim like died yeah. and the victim came back to life being sydney prescott yeah 
And it's like, you know, you can never kill the killer. They always come back once. They yeah. do that in all the screams. And it's fun that in this movie, it's like, no, actually, the victim died, and then they came back. So I love and that about they, it, too. And they end up making their point, which is, stop fucking remaking shit. You can't fuck with the originals. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to zap the shit out of your brain, and you're going to fly into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I I think the hospital scene could be good. I think the biggest problem is you just watch it and everything in the movie and everything that the movie's doing both story-wise and thematically is building up to Emma Roberts on the stretcher because that's how Williamson wrote it. Yeah. And then you watch that hospital scene and it does kind of feel like that Scream 2, Scream 3 thing of like, I don't know, we came up with the killer day of where you do kind of feel like, it didn't feel like we were building up to this. Like, I felt like we were going a different direction. I got resolution to all the storyline there. And then you just tack this on. Whereas if it had been something that had been part of the plan from the beginning, I think it might've flowed better, but it yeah, does just, I mean, feel that's, that's definitely true. I, I, I also think a big thing with this movie in terms of editing is that um, Patrick Lussier didn't edit this one. He edited the first three cause he was uh, Wes's editor throughout the 90s until he um, became a director in his own right. And uh, I think uh, Patrick, uh, his absence is felt a little bit. I think the replacement does some good work, but I think if Patrick was there, he could have made the hospital stuff sing a little more. It could have flowed a little better, especially because they weren't dealing with as much reshoot. Like, we don't know where this movie's going. Bullshit uh, that two and three had. Um, also, but, wouldn't have uh, missed yeah. some glaring continuity issues that show up in the film. I try not well, to be well, that no, person, he, well, no, but... well, no, he would have because that's all they talk about in the commentary for Scream Three. Because Patrick's on the commentary for Scream Three, and it's just like, yeah, there's this mistake, there's this mistake, there's this mistake because we kept having to reshoot goddamn things. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think uh, at a certain point, uh, like I said, Wes isn't the most technically proficient man, so sometimes he's not uh, paying too much attention uh, behind the uh, the camera there. Uh yeah. Street Royals, fuck you. <laughs> it it does I I mean I really like it. The the more we talk about it, I mean my if I were to rank the movies, which we always do at the end of a series, I was gonna put Scream Four as my third favorite, just below two. But the more we talk about it, the more I th maybe I maybe I would put it at number two. Maybe. I think this is number two with a bullet for me. I think uh, rewatching Scream Two, the the glaring the glaring issues with the script and not knowing who the killer is going to be, really hurts it. Um, I think the opening has some strong stuff to it, but also, uh, you know, like Omar Epps getting killed through the bathroom stalls, kind of fucking stupid. Um, yeah, and then there's just stuff where they just like drop things, like oh, they're killing people that have the same names as the people of the first one. Um, and the ending's not great. Um, yeah, I think four with a bullet is, I think, yeah, I think, I don't know. Uh, I, there's still a lot of, about four. I just want to talk about like when we saw it the first time, the, like we say it still, even with his rewatch, the, uh, I never said I was in your closet scene is oh. one of the best scenes in all of scream four. It's, uh, the all best, it's the best thing in the Scream franchise that's not in the first movie to me. Yeah, easily. Yeah, I mean, that. easily. And it's so the, great. I mean, it's such a great reversal of what you think is going to happen. And he films it in such a way where you don't obviously realize it's going to be the other girl, just cutting to her enough 
where you're like, okay, she's still on the phone. And then just that moment when the door kicks in. And again, like I said, this movie's fucking mean and bloody. He fucking eviscerates that girl. Yeah. He stabs yeah. her in the chest. He stabs her through the hand as she's trying to protect yeah. herself. Oh, he yeah, starts. He hurt. throws her on the floor. He throws her on the bed and starts stabbing her. And as you like, he's stabbing her. The blood is flying against the wall behind yeah. him. And then when Sydney comes in, her guts are just hang, are just laid out on the bed. Yeah. Oh, the part where he takes her crashes her through the window and just shows her to the girls across yeah. the way and he's just like showing the knife at them way like this is fucked up Wes, yeah yes wes is a young man again fucking <laughs> bring it back baby and you know even like Ghostface on the phone is fucking meaner where he's like oh, i'm gonna cut your eyelids in half so you can't see so you can't blink when i stab yeah. you in the face like what the fuck is this shit i haven't heard this like this is meaner than he's been in all the movies this is awesome what are you fucking idiots complaining about? This movie rules. <laughs> and then when 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 Ghostface attacks her, and he she throws his ass down the stairs, and she's like yeah. she's literally kicking the shit out of him. I'm like, yeah, Sydney knows how to fight. <laughs> yeah, she's been yeah. dealing with this shit way too often to not know how to kick some idiot high school kid's ass. Just well, it, drop kicks him. I I really love the kill where um I I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the. He's live streaming and his camera's yeah. on the back. Yeah. And it's yeah. pointed to the back and you're kind of like, okay, he's going to look at his phone and he's going to see Ghostface running towards him in the back. And he's looking at his phone and then he points it toward the, the front of his view and that's when Ghostface opens the door and comes directly at him as he yeah. puts his phone down. Yeah. I, Which, I mean, I, talk about a commentary on, like, phone. Like, like yeah. if he was not staring at his phone, would he have died? Yeah. Well, it's like... It's, oh. it's something that the first screen does that this one does well too with the I Never Sit in Your Closet is that for Scream 1, it's not so much about how brutal the kills are or how inventive the kills are. Instead, it, it's very smart about doing what the first Halloween did well and what Psycho did well, which was instead of coming up with just like, well, once the killer pops out, how brutal can he be? It's instead thinking about What's a situation you wouldn't expect to be scary? What's a thing you you don't see coming? Yeah. You know, I never said in your closet you don't see coming. Um, the uh, the idea, you know, the, the psycho makes the shower scary. Halloween, the thing that makes it scary is the thought Deborah Hill had. What if my boyfriend showed up wearing, you know, a bed sheet, but it wasn't my boyfriend? Yeah. That kind of fear. The first scream works because... It's not a matter of, like, it would be very easy to do a hack thing, which is in the first scream, Gail Weathers sets up the camera and she watches as some kid gets murdered. That would be the hacky thing to do. But the, the thing that makes it so smart and what Williamson does well and Craven does well is instead the reason she got the camera in there is because of the tape delay. Yeah. It's because we yeah. in the audience know that it's happening, yeah. but they can't see it yet. That's what makes scary. I never said I was in your closet. Like that moment is scary because it even is. if you're watching it the second time, even when you know it's coming, you're thinking to yourself, like, it's so wild that these two girls are scared and that girl isn't. She doesn't know what's about to it's, happen. It, it's what Halloween did with what the first scream did is it's make being in your own house scary. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think there is something, though, to the to how much more brutal this one is. And I don't just mean in terms of the violence, which it does up the blood flow. It's that this movie's really good 
better uh, the best since the first one of introducing all these new characters making you like them and then all of them fucking die and yeah. it even and it even gets to the emma roberts reveal of like you kind of get to like this girl because you understand where she's coming from of having to be you know living under the shadow of her superhero you know super aunt who survived serial killer three times so that moment when the mask drops and she's fucking wild-eyed and crazy and then she drags out her boyfriend who at the beginning we thought was kind of a dick but then like in the party beforehand you're like no he's kind of just a doofy guy he's like you wouldn't yeah. mind having a drink with this guy then he's tied up then she shoots him in the dick mm -hmm. and he starts oh, screaming yeah. in pain and then she just fucking shoots him in the head that's just like it's i'm talking about the emotional brutality that this movie yeah really does uh, that the, that only the first one does really because uh, when tatum gets fucking trapped in the garage door you're like oh fuck come on i like tatum but yeah. then when the moment drops and Stu is one of the killers you're like oh no the stoner fucking idiot i like this guy come on yeah, yeah. Or when randy dies in the second one you're like no we like that, that's why people they brought Randy back because everyone was so fucking pissed off. They were right. like, oh, we got to give him more Randy. Well, even um, as much as we don't like that ending, when Jerry O'Connell dies in the second one, I'm like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah especially, that is know, a big bummer, too, because well, of how that, they play you know, it. Because of how it's like Timothy Olaf is like, oh, yeah, your boyfriend turned on you again. Another one making him th making her think another boyfriend turned on her right, then, then right. shoots him in the heart. And it's like, no, he wasn't my partner. I made I made you think another boyfriend was a bad guy come on he wasn't a bad guy like that's fucking mean <laughs> that's fucking yeah he's, yeah like jerry and especially because jerry o'connell is you know I, I mean to to put it in the meta terms jerry o'connell's the bishop of that movie yeah you yeah. know the the bishop and aliens like you know oh well now i don't trust robots now i don't trust boyfriends and then in the end it's like no i'm willing to like sacrifice myself for you you do yeah. get attached to that and i agree with tom's point that like you do get attached to these characters and Scream 4, I think, is rewarded on the second watch because when it ends the first time and you're looking at Emma Roberts and Rory Culkin, who do not look particularly intimidating, right? Mm. And you can maybe feel yourself, like Tom saying, you know, oh, well, she's got the superstar. And, uh, but then the second time you watch it, knowing that it's one of those two underneath the mask each time, and they do something that horrific. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like with the first one, you know, Skeet Ulrich's a creepy looking dude, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you find out, oh, I murdered your mom and then I murdered you, you're like, yeah, that tracks for Skeet Ulrich. I'll yeah. buy that, you know? Timothy Oliphant, I will absolutely buy he did <laughs> yeah. any terrible thing <laughs> yeah. you're telling me he did. Um, but when it's when you know it's Emma Roberts and Rory Culkin and like Tom says, yeah. he, like, this girl's getting eviscerated. You're watching this truly brutal shit happen. You Emma Roberts, Shocking. based on how the, the geography of all the characters, Emma Roberts killed her mom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you, when, yeah. again, you think about this, it, like, it had to have been Emma Roberts. You're like, that's fucked up. That's pretty fucking gnarly. And then, you know, when Hayden gets stabbed in the end, you're just like, fuck, no. I like this girl. And I liked her, like, hitting on this guy. Like, it was cute. Why did he have to yeah. be a right, fucking right. creep? Right. Like, oh, Wes, you son of a bitch. I love you. <laughs> well, and, Rest and in peace, King. Emma Emma Roberts is, I was just thinking about like how, how I, I was looking at her filmography before mm -hmm. this. And it, what, it, just a wonderful casting because you would never oh, yeah. expect her. Well, she's her... always been cute and yeah. cute movies. Just like a, like a Disney girl, you know. She's Very much a, so. She's, 
she's hotel for dogs <laughs> you know yeah yeah and i and forgot between watching this movie last year around this time and this year who would who the killer was so the whole time i was like i'm pretty sure it's rory and i can't remember what else and then when it was revealed for a second time in the same movie i was like whoa yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah i mean she even talks about in the commentary where she's like yeah you know i came into the audition and i was like I didn't have heels on. I was, you know, so I'm a short girl and I have this long blonde hair and they cast me and Wes goes, yeah, you know, we're going to have to, you know, dye hair black and, you know, give you some heels and make you look a little taller. It's like, well, then why did you cast me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because I think Wes knew she had that fucking deranged ending in her. Yeah. 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 Well, that's she, she sells the shit out of throwing herself into walls and mirrors and stabbing herself in the shoulder oh and gosh, taking a dead so body's brutal. hand and scratching herself uh, on yeah. the face. We are just like, Oh, this is what we would have seen if Billy and Stu succeeded at the end of the first one where they'd right. have to, they'd have to manipulate the scene. Well, yeah. it's, I mean, I remember seeing it in theaters and when the mask comes off and it's Emma Roberts for 30 seconds going, fuck you. Like, this is so <laughs> stupid. And then yeah. the movie, through her performance and the writing, fully justifies it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it makes a thing that should not work, work. And that's the best kind of writing. That's, that's what Kevin Williamson does well when he's at his best. That's the best mysteries, is a thing that when you first get the reveal, go, that can't work because X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And then it lays out for you why, no, in fact, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Like, Scream 2 is a problem, and Scream 3 is a problem, and a lot of movies that do twist endings are a problem because they think they're doing a twist. A friend of ours, Kenny Nybart, talks about this all the time, how movies that do twist endings don't actually know what a twist is. Yeah. Because it's not, a twist can't be, um, a, a twist isn't a twist if, you've left information out. Yeah. A twist only works. Oh, okay. So you can't do, like, because if I'm sitting here the whole time, you know, and then Lori Metcalf shows up and she goes, well, I'm Billy Loomis's mom. You probably didn't recognize me because I got plastic surgery. Like, that doesn't fucking work. Like, that doesn't No, I don't recognize you because I didn't, you weren't in the first movie. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, that type of shit is, is cheating because you sit back and go, Surely Gail Weathers doing a book would have looked into this. Surely something like that. The the good twists are the ones like people, the reason people still talk about the sixth sense, the reason people yeah. still talk about the usual suspects is because the first time you watch it, the twist is surprising. And the second time you watch it, you go, yep, that's there. That's yep. there. Yep. That's right, right. there. You know, to quote the um, much beloved The Snowman, you know, I gave you all the clues. Scream <laughs> 4, like Tom's pointing it's, out, like you can map out like, oh, she killed her mom. Oh, she did this. It's all there. And yet when yeah. the reveal happens, you don't buy it at first because you go, well, surely X, Y, Z, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. the one thing it has going for it that the first one has going for it too because the first one, you're not thinking there's two killers. No. You don't. Right. Our brains, you know, our movie-loving brains don't tell us that's an option. Right. So it's, when it's introduced, you go, "Yeah, oh, it, it, that's why I didn't get it, because I didn't even think of that as a possibility. Yeah, it makes you realize when you rewatch the first Scream that, oh, Casey, Be- Casey Becker was going to die no matter what, because both of them are at each entrance. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm at, yeah. I'm at either right. door. It is, wh which door am I at? And you realize uh, one of them's at each door. She's fucked no matter what. Right. And, you know, yeah, it, like, again, the like the twist in the first one, Billy's so obviously the suspect mm -hmm. that you're like, it can't be him. And then he shows up and he gets arrested and you go, okay, they're so clearly laying it on. It can't fucking be Billy. Yeah. And even when he's released, he's still being like a creep where you go, it's so obvious. Why would they make it this obvious? Then he gets stabbed, quote, you know, fake stabbed in the bedroom. You're like, oh, see, they were pretending. Yeah, right. But no, they weren't. Billy is just <laughs> a completely, totally unhinged fucking freak. Stu is the one that everyone kind of is like, oh, no, not Stu. Not my poor yeah. baby. Yeah. He was my funny. big, poor idiot baby yeah. man. Yeah. Fucking Shaggy could not have done this. Right. And um, people really really want Stu to come back and yeah, don't bring Stu like, back. no he didn't die people are like no he didn't die he just got really fucked up when the tv landed on his head like, oh, i mean all right i mean hey listen i, I don't know what to tell you where's the crazier things have happened in this stupid he's, industry of he's, ours but... he's been in a coma the whole time just just like uh his wife in the movie the descendants no he's <laughs> remember he's the in the descendants for 10 minutes he's the author of all their pain again oh, god i stopped making me think of that Stop! Don't don't make <laughs> Hello, me Mrs. think of Prescott. Prescott. Don't make I me think of Prescott. I am the author of all your pain. I'm so sorry. Did we take? We took you way past your normal runtime. I'm so oh, sorry. No, 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 oh, no. This is scream, normal. Our, when we did Scream One, when we recorded it, it was our longest episode to date. Yeah, that okay. was just two Good. of us talking about it. Our Good. scream so, episodes have right. been more. They've been longer than usual. Okay, so, yeah. that makes me feel. Right, this is perfect. All right, how long was how long was the first Scream One? <laughs> It, it's it's a uh, two two hours and five minutes just the two of us all right we got 20 minutes to kill let's go <laughs> let's go fuckers all right so i know this i know one of the big things this movie gets dinged for is that none of the main trio die and yeah. that kind of goes counter to what we were saying about the emotional and physical brutality that this movie very much brings you know i mean dewey doesn't even really get hurt that right. bad in this one i mean he gets the shit kicked out of him with a literal shit pan which is <laughs> yeah. i mean which west was like yeah don't tell david what we're hitting him with <laughs> um, uh gail gets stabbed in the shoulder and then she's kind of out of the movie for a bit and sydney you know she gets she kicks the shit out of Ghostface a few times which again when you realize who it is it's like she's beating up a high school kid that's so fun yeah um yeah. but then she gets you know sent to the hospital and she's bleeding and then in that final fight you know, emma roberts is aiming for the fucking stitches and she's like how are those stitches holding up like oh you oh oh i'm i hope you get the shit shocked out of your brain um but what do we think about in general that um we're now getting a fifth one where these three uh have survived for yet another game of uh, think, ghost face shenanigans yeah i think for Sydney in particular, I think it is fun to think of her as like the Michael Myers of this series where she yeah. can't die for some She's reason. She's the monkey wrench. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I would be fine with that if that's how it's always been. Uh, I, I would be interested. I mean, if, if Dewey or Courtney Cox get killed, I, I, it is interesting to think about cause it is like maybe one of them does need to go by this point. But then yeah. again, I don't really have an issue with it with this movie. It didn't See, really it, cross my mind. Yeah, you know, it's because I think it's it, it, these movies hold such an interesting place in horror in that 
this is really the only series, I mean, until the Saw movies. And even then it's not the same because the mm-hmm. Saw movies are year after year after year. And then like, so characters will get recycled out and a new character will take over where, you know, Halloween isn't really Laurie Strode's franchise, you know, and Friday yeah. the 13th doesn't have that character. Uh, Elm Street, again, it's not Nancy's franchise, even though she shows up two more entries after the first one. Well, she shows up uh, in one and then actress Heather Langenkamp shows up in another. Well, then she turns into Nancy. Don't don't forget. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, New Nightmare is a fucking mind. New Nightmare rules, by the way. Can't wait for you guys to get to that one. When you ever if you ever get to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise right now, boom, I'm calling it New Nightmare. OK. <laughs> OK. Um, but yeah, like so I think it is interesting that at the very least, I'm fine with Sydney being this character that is almost like the living embodiment of what the final girl is in that she literally can't be stopped that yeah. she's like a like like a sin eater basically like she just keeps eating yeah. all of this pain that like all of these characters are just so fucking mad at her and she's just like well fuck you i'm not i'm not stepping down i'm not gonna fall for this where I think you could lose either Dewey and or Gale in Scream 5 and give Sydney maybe something else to like have, oh, I lost this thing now. You know, I lost someone who I've had this connection to. We were, we've been through all these ghost face massacres together and I lost this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, you know, big, the most devastating would be Dewey be, yeah. because of Sydney's closer to him. And Gail is kind of an unlikable character. I mean, and, we, we grow to like her, you know, yeah. and to sympathize with her. But she, she is the one that is the most annoying, if you, if you want to think of it that way. And, and Dewey is the brother of her best friend that she exactly. lost in that first murder. So, like, there's that double thing with Dewey. So it would be like losing um, her best friend again. It would be a yeah. big deal. It's also a thing I thought of where Gail is so, like... She's a good person, but she's so cynical. Yeah. I don't think it would ever be believable for her to be revealed as a killer in one of these movies. Yeah. Where I could see Dewey being a killer. That he's such a good, decent, kind-hearted guy that his optimism has, it, at a certain point is just shattered and he loses his mind completely. That Same would be with really she's interesting. Like, Sydney's never going to be the killer. I, I mean, I hope she's not, but I yeah. don't think yeah, that I, would ever work I for her. I none character. of the three... I don't know. That would be that would feel very uh I mean, but if if they comment on it and set it up enough, it'd be fine. But it, I, it that just feels very like that's a studio note rather than like yeah. a story to me. I I think the more interesting thing you could do with those characters, cause I'll be honest, I don't not only do I think you could kill Gale or Dewey in in this next film, you could have killed them in the last film, it would have been fine because this rewatch I did kind of go, they're running out of things to do with these two. Yeah. yeah. Every time, yeah. like when you read, like, well, we thought about giving them a baby, but that would have been too complicated. Like, you watch this, and it's just like, as much as we want to pretend Scream Three didn't happen, there is this thing of like, like, it just, is our dynamic now? Like, it was cute in the first one. Was like, hey, maybe she likes him, or maybe she's just using him. And then the second one, hey, maybe she does like him. Third one, Dewey, who's this <laughs> other lady? A big galoof. Fourth one, Dewey. <laughs> Who's this other? Like we're yeah. running out of stuff to do with them. Yeah, you know, I I think that 
that's like seeing them show up again in this one. I'm just like, he could have. To me, I, I don't know. I wonder if I wonder if the more interesting story isn't about them. I wonder if the more interesting story isn't, and maybe this sounds dumb with the trailer out. I wonder if the more interesting story isn't. What if there is somebody in the ghost face mask killing people in Woodsboro and it has nothing to do with Sydney? Yeah, could be good. She's not consequently there. She's not whatever. And then for her, kind of, you could create a sort of conflict of she doesn't have to be involved in this because that's the one thing that does get a little... Like, I understand why it happens in terms of, like, they always try and give a reason for it. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of become, like, the the diehard dilemma of, you're telling me John McClane happened to be in the building when the terrorist act and also happened to be in an airport? Fuck off. At least yeah. Die Hard 3 comes up with the, no, we're going to come up with the reason why it's McClane. With the Scream movies, you're sitting there going, there's no way at a certain point... This is getting in. I feel like you know. Well, that's you know. That's why at least like four has the one up over two and three, where it's like, okay, this makes sense for it to be Sydney and not another just like, oh, I'm, I'm, mommy's mad, or I'm a weird thrill killer guy who goes to film school, or I'm a director who's the author of all your. I just, I just question like at what point, (laughs) how long can you watch? Sydney stumble into another ghost face before it stops being a story of resilience and starts being the book of Job. Well, that's where you're just like, God very... damn. <laughs> yeah. like, well, that's why you... that, that is why I'm curious what this next one is. Like how, like, are they looking at what four was and saying, okay, maybe we do need to make it a passing of the torch situation. Maybe we need to do a thing where it's really the legacy characters are there to, to lend guidance and aren't the main focus. Uh, I would also love if this movie takes a real shot across the bow against uh, the super serious A24 horror. And it's like, no, that would be so interesting. A very interesting take. Like, no, remember when these three had horror movies happen to them and it was interesting and not like nothing happens until the final five minutes. It's like, no, people are going to fucking die. This is not, this is not lamb. This is not the lodge. This is, yeah. this is scream motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what I if would, instead that's of, what my if, big yeah. hope. <laughs> what if instead that. of this time, instead of Aaron Kruger doing rewrites, they bring in Ari Aster to have a 10 minute monologue at the end of scream five, <laughs> explaining everything that you already figured out. Wouldn't oh, that no, make that's it fu- more fun? Oh no. Oh no. That's fine. I don't already want to firebomb that man's production company. <laughs> See, you were supposed to be Paimon, but then your sister was Paimon, and now you're... I'm sorry. We're going off on a rant about <laughs> the state of modern art. It would See, be fun, See, if though, you right? guys don't know that this movie is about <laughs> grief, but grief <laughs> in this movie is about possession. And now that this one is dead, her grief is done. Now your grief is starting because you are Paimon. So, Fuck like, you. That's, that's the thing. I... <laughs> I do kind of hope if there's anything that Scream 5 does actually have something to say about horror. If if anything hurts Scream 2 and 3, it's the fact that nothing had really happened in horror. Yeah. I mean, like Scream 2 comes out right after. Yeah. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been more fun in a way to see, okay, Scream 1 is a reaction to 80s slashers. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been more fun to see, what does Scream 2 look like if they had taken three years off and then went, well, shit, now we have to deal with the Blair Witch. 
not Sydney yeah. fighting the Blair Witch, but like it's that thing of Scream drops in '96, and you go, "All right, everybody's trying to be Scream. That's what we're doing." Blair Witch hits in '99, and it becomes another seismic shockwave. And then 2004, you get Saw. You have these moments where it's where horror has these seismic shifts, and Scream never got the chance to comment on the Blair Witch of it all. Or even really the saw of it all. I mean, maybe insofar as the you know the kills are more brutal in Scream Four, but like, there's no real commentary on on that. And by the time they come back with Four, it's like let's talk about the fact that they're rebooting all these '80s and '90s movies. Yeah. What yeah. does Scream Five have to say about the state I mean, of horror now? You know. I mean, uh, Scream Two really shouldn't have been a year later. It should have been two or three years later. That way, it could have before the Blair Witch turn really comment on how everyone's copying us so yeah. then you get yeah. to a screen three and then you can comment on how things have changed and it's the blair witch sort of thing so that way you then you end on that wait until screen four to comment on all the reboot stuff and then you go there you go you're off to the races what what what, what do i know i i didn't make screen three and i i will be surprised if this doesn't happen but i and i hope it doesn't though is there are probably going to be podcasters in this movie, but I hope there aren't. Well, they did that in Halloween. I know, and I I think that's well, they're doing it in Ghostbusters, baby. You know what? You know how I know that because there's a character named Podcast. You know, and yeah. you know what his defining characteristic is? He podcasts. That's see, that's the Jason Reitman touch that I've been waiting for since <laughs> I yep. went yep. to the movies on opening day for Labor Day and said, "Oh yeah, that's that good stuff." Yeah, that's, that's... that good Jason Reit. Ooh, men, women, and children. Oh yeah. They're they're uh. they're definitely gonna have <laughs> podcasters in this movie, but guys, I, I hope not. <laughs> to your listeners, I want to clarify the two movies Tom just named, Labor Day and Men, Women, and Children, were actual films made by Jason Reitman. I want to be Never. clear: no one listening to this saw either one. I guarantee those yeah. were movies. That hey, if you ever want, if you ever wanted to see J- Josh Brolin seductively make a pie with Kate Winslet while he's, you know kidnapping her do i have the film for you <laughs> i'm i'm so sorry we can't get into jason reitman i'll just start getting <laughs> well, sad i i but, think yes. that might be our cue wouldn't I'm you say so yes before we go down the rabbit hole of <laughs> ghostbusters we already and... talked about jason reitman earlier today so we can't do it again <laughs> did you really in a positive <laughs> or a negative sense negative sense it was okay. a negative sense <laughs> i just like disappointed were you guys like early adopters like Juno and and thank you for smoking and like watch the decline or have you always been in a place of like I no. don't know if this guy's got the goods Love Juno don't really know anything else Yeah I'm I'm pretty much in the same camp But, but aware of things I'll I'll just say I I had a I have to admit and this feels just very very stupid of me but I've I've never I've never really paid attention to Ghostbusters in any sense mm-hmm. I've seen the first movie right. once it's and funny. I People yeah. shouldn't be paying this much attention to Ghostbusters. <laughs> exactly. It's a, they, I love Ghostbusters, and it's a silly goddamn franchise. This should not have this much goddamn reverence for it. It's ridiculous. Right. So I, I, I see that he's making the movie, and I go, why is this guy making the movie? And then I realized last night as I was falling asleep, oh, his dad is Ivan Reitman. And I had the stupidest moment where I thought, how did you not realize that, Micah? And so well, I was, we were talking about that this morning. Because you've got to think at a certain point, it's like, no, it can't be as simple as they just hired his son. It can't be that simple. And then you realize, 
who would think of the first Ghostbusters in Amblin-esque, like, super right. reverential terms? Oh, yeah, it was the kid who grew up while his dad made yeah. Ghostbusters. Son of a yeah. bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all that to say, I think we did it. I think we yeah. covered Scream. Yeah. Scream for baby. And it rules. You'll love and to see it. Before we do our rankings, I'm just going to plug patreon.com slash M-I-C-A-H-M-C-C-A-W, Micah McCaw. Head over there and listen to our episode this month in November on Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> because we couldn't I'm get sorry, enough did you, Matthew Did you say Lillard. Scream 3? Did you say Scream 3? <laughs> no. We're doing... We're oh, doing, Scooby-Doo. Scooby yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yes. So we're doing... Because of Matthew Lillard, very, we were just like, we're similar. doing it. Yes. Love him. Very similar. We need more. So head over there, and um, and then next week we're starting a brand new series within a huge series idea, which you'll hear about, where we're going to be covering Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure next week. So join us next week. Um, give me your give me your scream ranking. Me? Yes. Okay, from worst to best, it's three. I okay, so I do think it is three, two, four, one. I think I got to agree with that. You guys, so what I. do you think? It's the so exact same. That's all of that wow. is correct. That's unbelievable. Fully, fully endorse that ranking. This, this is scientific. Four out of your four dentists have have recommended <laughs> yes. screen one, four, two, and then throw three into the dumpster fire. Yep. Um, this is science. We've just a hundred percent of all 100%. podcasters say this is the official ranking. And if you disagree, well, uh, I'm going to have Aaron Kruger write the biopic of your life. <laughs> So you heard it here first. So I would imagine you two would like to maybe plug something if you'd like. I mean, he would. Like we haven't kept you long enough. Yeah, I'll I'll plug something because only one of us actually handles that side of things. Tom doesn't remember. He. Doesn't I don't care. I I show up and I ramble. I have. I have. Does that sound familiar? When Tom no. does other shows, people always talk about he's so informed, he's so prepared. I say, yeah, but with our show, it's like David Letterman in the last year of the Late Show. He just rolls <laughs> in and goes, "All right, what are we talking about? Who are we talking to?" Okay, Miley Cyrus got a new album, I guess. Okay, top ten lists. But um, Tom and I host a show called "You're Missing Out." It's a podcast about the films in the National Film Registry. If you don't know what that is, uh, every year since 1989, the Library of Congress selects 25 films that they think are culturally, historically, or aesthetically important, and they select them for preservation within the Library of Congress. So our show, uh, every season is going through a different induction year. We started with 1989, uh, the class of 1989, which included Citizen Kane, Casablanca, Dr. Strangelove, Star Wars, uh, Intolerance. Uh, this upcoming season, which we are in the process of recording now, hopefully coming out uh, at the end of 2021 or early 2022. We got some real fun ones. We've got um, Duck Soup. We've got All About Eve. We've got um, uh, Top Hat and All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, the Godfather. The Godfather. Yeah. That's right. We got to, we got to, we got to. And let me tell you guys, uh, I just confirmed the other day and I don't want to give it away too much. We have a very exciting uh, guest coming on for The Godfather, which I'm very stoked about. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun so you can check it out our entire first season 25 regular main feed episodes plus a couple of bonus episodes thrown in um you can check that out and we will have a second season coming out soon great cool. well thank you so much for oh, being thank on you. 
Thank you guys so much for all this extra context. Thank thank you so much for having us, especially after what we did to you guys for the last two hours. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is why we have guests on. We love it. Yeah. So thank you guys. And uh, yeah, listeners, go go listen to the podcast. It's very good. I would recommend jumping in on um, Grapes of Wrath. That was the one, the oh, first one you. I listened to. And that was thank you. really good. So, Mark, thank you. Mark's a wonderful guy. I was very glad to get him on for that. Great, yeah, it was great, it was great. great. Flick, yeah. When 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 you presented and asked what you thought the modern great American novels were, and you said the stand i was like "Ooh, i think i can enjoy this podcast (laughs) so yeah yeah when you go through our show and we do at the end what we would recommend to pair with the movie we're talking about that we think should go into the film registry uh my picks are usually very very me and mike's picks are usually very him (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right well thanks for listening everybody we'll see you next week